from 1985, John Parr, Naughty Naughty. If you watch the video and take a look at John Parr, he looks pretty old for his age. He was like 30 years old at the time of that video, and he looked like he's over 40. He looked really bad for his age. But amazingly, 29 years later, he looks the same. So he actually looks young for his age now, despite looking really old for like 30. It's one of these guys that looks old early and just freezes there somehow. So welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dan Druff with Tellus. Tonight we do not have a co-host on tap, but you never know who might show up. And want to let you guys know about a free roll we have tonight. Well, we might have it tonight. Let me see if we got any further donations. Otherwise, the free roll it might be in jeopardy because this is one of the few weeks we don't have enough money for it. Last week we got $85. This week, last I checked, it was $5. And that's not enough to hold a free roll. Let's take a look if we've gotten anything more. Um, okay. We do have a donation. This is from Gordman, who's promising it. He hasn't sent the money yet, but he's been around for a while, so I will believe him. Gordman is promising $75. This is his claim in the official thread for this radio show. I'm not exactly sure what your terms are, but if you can wait up to one day for me to send the money, I will donate 75 and a possible bounty on myself. I need to see if I'm really going to play first. So I guess he has to get his PayPal login. So, okay, Gordman, I'm going to take you up on this. And it's going to be an $80 free roll, thanks to 75 from Gordman and 5 from SimpDog. The prize pool, which I'm making up right on the spot. And get in there, by the way. It's at 7.10 p.m., so you only have about 15 minutes from now. The prize pool, $80, and the way it will break down is as follows. We'll make first place $40.00. Second place, $20. Third place, $13. And fourth place, $7. So that's 40, 20, 13, and 7 are our four prizes for the $80 free roll tonight. Thank you very much, Gordman and SimpDog as well for your $5. Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money in our free rolls than any poker podcast on earth. Every week we seem to give away between, usually between $50 and $100, sometimes even more. So thank you. Very generous user base we have here. If you want to qualify for the free money, you have to have a registered account on Poker Fraud Alert dated June 1st, 2013 or before. When I say Poker Fraud Alert, I mean the forum. So you need a registered account on the forum dated June 1st or before. If you don't have an account on the forum dated June 1st or before, no problem. Just email me, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and convince me you have been listening to the show for at least three weeks by describing some things you've heard that have not been described in the official show description. Convince me you've been listening for three weeks minimum, and I will give you an exception to qualify for the free money now and forever, provided you remain in good standing on this site. That's dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. 
Free roll starts tonight, 7.10 p.m. on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find at the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com, 7.10 Pacific Time, that is. It is No Limit Hold'em. It is completely free, and you will be paid in cash, whether you want it in PayPal or you want a check or you want a bank transfer or even actual cold hard cash. I will pay you that way. This is not winning money on some crappy poker site. So that's that's about the best you can have, where you actually get real cash from a tournament that costs nothing to play, and we have this every week. So here is the agenda tonight. By the way, no late registration on that, so make sure to get in. Here's the agenda tonight, and then we will get started. After I give the agenda, I will give the phone number, actually phone numbers, to call me, and the other ways you can communicate with me during this show. Here is the agenda. Top story, I guess, embarrassment for Sheldon Adelson, also known on this show as Lockman. Embarrassment for him because after railing against online poker and the dangers it poses to children, you know, for underage gambling, his own Sands Corporation has gotten in trouble for allowing underage gambling. <laughs> yeah, you can't make this stuff up. So, I guess he should be concerned about un- underage gambling, just not online, maybe in his own casinos. So we'll talk about what happened there. Hmm, looks like we have another donation, but I think I want to hold it over to next week. Flipper Fair is donating $25, but we'll hold that to next week. So Flipper Fair, please PM me about that. Uh, I just, I don't want to make it over 100 with this short a notice. If it's over 100, I kind of want people to know about it in advance. But I appreciate that. Very nice of you. So uh, please PM me to remind me, and we'll make sure that gets thrown into the pool next week. Going on with the agenda. He says next week is fine. That's great. Going on with the agenda. Phil Ivey is not having a good year. Phil Ivey is down over... One million dollars. Yeah, much over. He's down $3.3 million, according to some tracking that has been done of his online play. And his wife, who is his high school sweetheart, and they've since gotten the divorce, has remarried very recently. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the problems befalling Phil Ivey. And again, revisit the question, is Phil Ivey broke? The California Indian tribes, which have casinos, are slamming poker stars. Not all of them, but some of them are slamming poker stars in an attempt to keep them out of the California legalized gambling market. This is making some people in the online poker community very angry. But not me. I actually feel okay about what's being done. I'll explain, and I'll explain what's happening. I'll explain why it's happening. Harris Tunica is closing, so if you liked Harris Tunica, or if you've played there before, if you live in Mississippi and it's a convenient casino for you, it will be no longer as of, I think, June 2nd. We'll talk a bit about Tunica. Poker Host, which has been around for a number of years and had kind of a checkered history as far as the online poker community, 
They're leaving the merge network and joining that weird and pretty lightly used, to be honest, Equity Poker Network. That's the non-profit U.S.-facing online poker network that went online late last year. We'll talk about that, and I'll give my opinion of the sites that are leaving Merge to join places like Equity. I think it's a bad sign when things like that happen. Well, here's an interesting story. A Russian guy playing on PokerStars found a bug. And this was a bug that was benefiting the players. So if he kept his mouth shut about it, the players, himself included, would have continued to make more money in rakeback from PokerStars. It was hurting no one except for PokerStars. The players were basically getting extra rakeback at a particular game. But this guy went and reported it to PokerStars, and now he is unhappy with the reward they gave him. So... We're going to discuss whether he has the right to expect a reward for pointing out a bug like this, and if PokerStars really did cheap out on him, and if they really did kind of screw him. It's an interesting discussion, it's an interesting topic, and there's no real right answer to this. I have my opinion, but there's no real clear right answer to this one. But I think it's interesting. This week's editorial, very simple. What is a scam? I bet you think you know the answer to that. I bet you say, well, a scam is where someone takes money from you, promises something, and then they don't deliver and they keep your money. That's a scam. Well, yes, it is. But there's many other forms of a scam. Uh Uh-oh, listen to this. That's the Mount Charleston line ringing. Hear that? we got to see who's on here. Let's... uh... Let's see who we can get on the Mount Charleston line. Hello. Hello, you've reached the Mount Charleston line. You're on Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend show. Hello. What? What? Yeah. Oh. Oh, fuck, are you doing a radio show? I might be. Oh, God damn, I can't talk to you about all of what I want to talk about. Yes, you can. Go ahead. What, what do you want no, to No, 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 no. There are certain things I don't want aired. <laughs> One subject I don't absolutely don't want aired. Yeah, I know I know the subject. So, people, this is Ken Scaler, and oh. uh, he forgot that I was doing the radio tonight and called in. He's at a payphone. Now, where is this payphone? It looks like North Hollywood to me. I'm in North Hollywood by the Greyhound station That's on... A- Magnolia between Vinyl, between uh, Lancashire and Tahunga. You know, I was at that Greyhound station once and only once in 1991 after my car broke down and I had to take a Greyhound back to the L.A. area. And uh, it was a very disturbing time there for me because a retarded woman kept trying to touch me. She was she looked like she was in her forties. I was like nineteen at the time. And she kept coming up Ew. and just putting her hands all over me. And the, the person taking care of her kept telling her to stop but wasn't doing enough to stop it. And like what am I supposed to do? Like I you know, I'm just kinda just like trying to push her away without being too aggressive. I don't want to reta- attack her. Kind of like O. J. Simpson, but 
yeah, I don't want to attack yeah. a retarded woman, but on the other hand, she yeah, yeah, put her hands course. on me, so I keep kind of like pushing them off, and then the woman takes care of her and goes, no, 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 don't do that, and would pull her away, and then she'd come right yeah. back and do it again. And this went on over and over and over again until the person I called to get me there came and picked me up. Uh, yeah. It was actually a pretty tough situation that whole weekend because my car broke down in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it turned out it had a catastrophic problem to where I pretty much had to leave it where it was and take a Greyhound to either North Hollywood or downtown L.A., neither of which were close to where my parents lived. But my parents were out of town. They couldn't come get me. Um, this was on a Friday where morning. Where were they? This, I don't remember. But uh, this oh. was on a Friday morning where all the friends I had in the area who could have gotten me were at work. So I, I got a number of people to agree to come get me, but they said, we have to come get you after 5. So I had to sit around until uh, – I took the Greyhound to North Hollywood, and I had to sit around until after 5, and the person came and got me. But uh, Do you still know this person? Actually, I don't. Oh. <laughs> I lost Do I know this person? No, you don't know them. So anyway, that's what happened to me at the Greyhound station. Uh, do you have any interesting stories from the Greyhound station? Uh, yeah, I take it to a very interesting place. What place is that? I'm taking Greyhound to India. Oh, to the Coachella Music Festival. Yes, Coachella. Ah, ah, ah. So Ken goes to both weekends of the Coachella Music Festival every year. It's uh, $349 per ticket or 375 depending upon when you buy it. And uh, I've been buying it for Ken, and then he pays me back very, very slowly. It's a, a very painstaking process to get the money back out of Ken. But uh, uh, the first Coachella Music Festival is this Friday, and Ken, of course, waiting to the last minute, has not even picked up the tickets from me yet. Yeah, I have to pick it up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, so... Don't don't say where you're picking it up. By the way, I don't want everybody on the air to know that. Uh, no, of course not. Okay, so so uh, Ken, I want you to tell the audience here about a girl that uh, gave you a hand job recently. Why don't you tell them about that? Uh, oh boy, oh boy! I don't know if I really want to talk about that. Well, it's already been uh, spilled to the public here. Might as well tell. Uh, them. Just some girl I met from MySpace a few years ago, and I got reacquainted, and it kind of. Messed around a couple times, but she's kind of a PH. So. Oh, okay, so he's saying that she's overweight. Now, how old is this girl? Um, I think she just turned 27. 27. And uh, you've messed around with her before, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, have you actually but she's had... a nice girl. I mean, I don't really have that much in common with her. She likes more like hard rock, metal, and punk. I'm more indie, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in terms, of nice hand, in terms of hand jobs, then you two... Hit it off really well. Is that true? Back girls know what they're doing, but I just close my eyes and pretend they're somebody else. So, so you're saying it actually is true that uh, very overweight girls are better at hand jobs and blow jobs. Is that your opinion? Well, I, I, I don't know if I would say better. I mean, they're adequate for them. I mean, I'd rather be if a, a skinny mini, No, no, no. You know? Forgetting about how turned on you are. I'm talking about just the... <laughs> Pure ability to the do physical it. Uh, utilitarian effect. Yeah. Right, right. So you're saying they're better at that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. okay. And have you had any other action recently aside from that? Uh, not really. I've been kind of like laying, flying low and avoiding the radar, but you know. <laughs> All right. So for those of you that think Ken yeah. doesn't get any, he does. Ken Ken actually gets more. I'm very excited about the Coachella Festival. I'm sure none of your listeners are going, but. 
Yeah, now, Ken, I want to say, I want to tell the listeners here that it's true that during the first week of the Coachella Music Festival, which is the more popular week, Ken... Well, they both sell out, but most people want to be at week one. Ken is really just there for the music, and uh, during week one, that's typically what happens. But during week two, he has a streak going where every year, it seems, he does something with a girl out there. A different Wait, girl each time. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, it, was like, it didn't happen last year. It was two years uh, ago. I don't think so. I think it happened last year, too. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Now, by the way, how much is this phone call costing you? 50 cents. 50 like cents? Wow. And uh, how long are you getting for this 50 cents? Uh, um, 15 minutes. 15 uh, minutes. Change not provided, no incoming calls. This payphone is owned by TTS Pacific Telemanagement Services, which I'm sure is a ripoff company. Now, don't you long for the days when you could put 50 cents in a payphone and talk as long as you wanted? Oh, God. It was like, it was like 10 cents when I was really young. No, 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 but even going back uh, more recently, but before yeah. the phone company payphones have mostly been eliminated. Wasn't it nice you just put the 50 cents in the payphone and just keep talking? Yeah, and like if people want to use the phone, you're like, well, sorry, you know, I paid for this call. Yeah. So, I, I even have a, yeah. a, a local. Well, Ronald Reagan said at a debate in 1980, I paid for this microphone, which he really <laughs> didn't. But anyway, famous line. I, <laughs> you know, I actually, I used to receive collect calls from Ken from a payphone like 20 years ago where he'd tell me the number to call him back, and then I would call him back. You know, I, like, I wouldn't accept the call. I'd call back the number, and that, back then payphones would ring, and he'd answer. That would be the way I would call him, because he couldn't call long distance. Yeah. yeah. So, Ken yeah, has a like, long yeah. history with payphones, a very, very long history. I know a lot about payphones. I'm a public telephone aficionado. Now, when... What are you going to do when payphones are gone completely? It's going to happen eventually. They're not going to be gone completely. There's always going to be a need for them, like emergencies, like if cell phones go down, like airports are always going to have them. I mean, okay, some how, are disappearing, but I mean, okay. I but what about when there's so few? What about when there's so few? I see them in Mexican so neighborhoods. Find. I see more payphones in Mexican neighborhoods. I know, but eventually, like 20 years from now, I think they're all going to be gone except for a few. How do you? How do you know? Because the need is going to go down and down. There's always going to be people to use a payphone. There's always going to be someone out there that needs to use a payphone. Now, why don't you just get Somebody. a cheap cell phone? I don't understand this. Why don't you get a cheap cell phone, then no more payphones, no more scrounging for change? I've actually you had like it before. Boost Mobile and Metro PCS? Yeah, I've actually had it before where Ken needed to make an important call to me but could not because he did not have change. Oh, yeah. So why don't you just get a uh, – Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So why don't yeah. you do – I don't understand. Why don't you get a payphone? Um, I don't know. Phone, I'm always thinking about my next fix, which is usually a burger. Oh, I thought it was something else. Never mind. No, no, a burger. Okay, but... I'm obsessed with burgers. But I see you take Stephanie out to meals and everything. I mean, you could pay Oh, God, she's so crazy. You know, her birthday was on uh, Sunday. I did not see her. But I saw her the day before. And she was very violent and mean. Hey, Ken, why don't you get one of those free phones that Obama's providing? Uh... What? You know, the, the free Obama phones. Is this like in the chat room somebody's bringing this up? I, it may have been brought up uh, once or twice. Is this one of your, like, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana listeners or something? Uh, no, I don't think we have anyone in Fort Wayne, but it's possible we do. I just random city. I don't know. 
You know what? You know what is good about Fort Wayne? I, what, what's good about Fort Wayne? I bet you the girls there are less picky. Probably true. Here, tell me what you think of this. Kid. And and if you go to like a, a fast food restaurant, more of the employees will be white. Okay, tell me what you think of this. Obama. You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, no minority, got Obama phone. Keep Obama in president. Hello? You know, he what? gave us a phone. He gave you he a phone. Do more. How did he give you a phone? You, you sign up if you're you on full stamps, you on social security, Hello? you got low income, you disability. Hey, I'm watching. Okay, what's wrong with Romney? What Romney, he sucks. What do you think of that woman? Well, I didn't even hear anything. You didn't hear what she said? I didn't hear anything. It's not like, okay, put you on hold and oh, don't hold music. And How did you not hear that? I didn't hear anything. Weird. Why don't you paraphrase paraphrase what what she said? That's, I was playing a sound clip. You're telling me you didn't hear any of that? No. That is really, that is really, really strange. Yep, we're experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Please disperse. So, all right, uh, Master Scaler, you'll have to call me back after about uh, 10.30. Can I get a yes or no? The subject we can't bring up, do you have a yes or no on it, or I don't know yet? Uh, I don't know, actually. Wow, okay. It's still up in the air. Okay, all right. So you can call about a little bit later, like after 10.30, and uh, we can discuss this. I know. This could be a long-ass show. You must have a uh, lot to talk about in the world of poker. No, nah, it's always a long-ass show. Oh, okay. Yeah. No more hip-hop music to introduce it, huh? Yeah, here, I got a caller on the air. Caller, hello. Yo, it's Wolf. Yeah, Wolf, uh, what would you like to say to Master Scaler? Man, I haven't been able to listen to any of the shows, so I just randomly called in because I'm a silly. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I mean, this is total random, man. I had one of the biggest days of my lives, of my life, so I just fucking called you. Sorry. Oh, that's great. By the way, I just found out today I have an Instagram that I didn't set up. It's it's whatever the URL is, KROCKHead. Anyway. And it's not yours? Uh, I heard they have crazy hashtags on there. Yeah, I, that's, I have nothing to do with that. So. Okay, I've never even been on Instagram, so I don't know who said it. I actually about, never had anyway. either. Okay, so Wolf, what's the biggest thing going on with you right now? Man, I got something weird that halfway relates to poker and Bitcoin, but I'm not exactly sure how, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to explain it, and maybe you can decipher it, okay? Yeah. Uh, man, I buy and sell gold and silver, like, m- mostly scrap. It comes from jewelry, and I make most of my money from Melly Diamonds, which a lot of people call it Melee, but I'm in the South, so... E- either way, like, I keep a pretty close track on gold, silver, platinum, and palladium. Uh, also keep a track on, like, diamond prices less than one carat. Anyway, um, today, I've been doing this for, like, off and on maybe 12 years. It was by far the biggest day I've ever had. I bought 111 ounces of gold, all in one-ounce bullion, and six cases of American Silver Eagles, and I locked them in at 2175 plus, like, a ridiculous amount of scrap. And, see, this doesn't happen to me. Like, I had to call a family member and borrow a quarter million dollars just to make today work. Wow. Ken, have you ever borrowed a quarter million dollars from a family member? Uh, I've never had the need. I mean, who knows what will happen. 
Okay, well, have you, have you ever borrowed a quarter from a family member? Uh, I remember I asked my brother for $5 once, like 15 years ago, and he said no. <laughs> oh, only 15 years ago you asked for your uh, five bucks. Maybe it was, maybe it was wrong. I don't okay. know. Okay, so, uh, so Wolf, you're saying you, you borrowed $250,000 and made a big gold purchase today, and has it gone up since then? No, well, I mean, marginally. But, man, I'm telling you this because of what you do. You don't have to believe in me, and you may joke it off, but it doesn't matter. I don't. I could care less what you think about the wolf or the time we met out in the parking lot of the Rio. It doesn't matter. I, I don't care. But on record, like, I think something of today is related to Bitcoin because right now is the first day that hedge funds, hedge funds, excuse me, hedge fund managers start to move their portfolio based on taxes that are owed. And so the first thing to be dumped when taxes are owed is the solid, which is usually gold and silver. It can run into platinum, palladium, and diamonds, but it's mostly gold and silver. And so I promise you today, since it was the first day that that normally happens for CPAs and high-level people that handle millions of dollars or even plus, but since it happened today for them and for me, I think something weird is going on. Because usually my business doesn't correlate with them. Like it just it exists in two separate ways. Okay, so levels. what do you think's gonna happen? And what do you think this means? Man, I think actually Bitcoin is gaining gaming an enormous amount of steam right now. Well it's been very flat like, the last few days. Right. I I understand it fell under four under five hundred and people aren't exactly sure but I don't feel like, for instance, I know that gold and silver has been bought up by international banks on a surplus level, which means 5-plus percent more than they're normally buying. That has happened within the last 10 business days. At the same time, Bitcoins has come down, and there has been no change in the active day-to-day market for the regular person. They have shown none of this to the public. It's done through institutional banks that don't have to reg- they don't have to show what they're doing with the money that's printing. Okay, and so, so, see, so, since I, see, so what do you think is going to happen next what, for the average person? It what, sounds like a Ron Paul type fan. <laughs> no, what's really going to happen I next? I feel like every time I hear about these international banks, what are they going to do? It sounds like a Ron Paul like. like no, no, forget supporter. about that. Look, I don't let's know why. hear, according to you, Wolf, what is the next thing that is going to occur? So then, like a week from now, you can call up and say, "I told you so." Man, I think within one week, like, Bitcoins will be up 10 to 20%. The U.S. dollar will be down, like, 3 to 5%. Hmm. And gold and silver will be up, like, between 4 and 8%. Uh, that well. leaves me a lot. It leaves me a lot of room, but I do right. think it's accurate. Well, I hope I hope for your sake and your $250,000 that gold does go up like that. And uh, thank you for the report. And uh, Master Scaly, do you have anything else other than the thing we have to talk about later? Uh, anything else? Um, they had an open casting call for that show, Big Brother, and I forgot to go. I'm really mad about it, because I think I would have been excellent on that show. Uh, yeah. Too I late. I'll try out next year. Yeah, you, there's many reality shows for you to try out. Okay. Yeah, so, I start. I got to start getting into circulation of that again. You do. Maybe that'll get you girls, too. Maybe girls who weigh... That'd under, be amazing. I love girls. Maybe girls who weigh under 250. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like that. I don't want to go to Club Curves to get my to get my women. <laughs> okay. All right, thank you, Master Scaler. And, uh, By the way, do you have a co-host? No, no, it's just me tonight. Just you tonight? Oh. Yep. I keep losing, forgetting who the co-host is. Always it, it's, a, it's a revolving door. That's why you forget. 
it's not one. Oh, okay, that's why. Yeah. All right, thank you, Master Scaler. I'll talk to you. Okay, well, thank you, and I'll I'll be talking to you later. We got a plan for tomorrow. All right, and thank you, Raw Wolf, for calling in. Okay, you got it. All right, so I I double hang up there. I just dropped them both, so we can go on with the agenda. As much as I like callers, I sometimes don't like them at the beginning of the show because people listen at the beginning and they want to hear me get into the topics and then I don't and they get annoyed. Like at the end, I don't mind wasting time. But uh... Anyway, here's the phone numbers to call. I never even gave those out. 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call 702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line, which is an old 70s telephone sitting on top of Mount Charleston, which is a mountain that hangs over Las Vegas, Nevada. There is still snow up there, believe it or not. Either of those numbers will get through to me, but you have to show your caller ID when you call me or your call will not get through. If I don't take your phone call, don't panic. It just means that I'm in the middle of a topic. Try back in about 15 minutes and I'll probably take it. You can also text me to the main number of the show, 775-372-8355, 775-372-8355. If you wish to text me, I will read your texts on the show. So watch out. This includes texts that I received before the show, after the show, and during the show. So I'm going to read some texts here starting from uh, earlier today at 1225 from Hot Four Sauce. She says, can you make a shout out to Hot Like Sauce, which is her boyfriend, tonight from Hot Four Sauce saying, I love you and I can't wait to see you Thursday. I kind of feel like Casey Kasem here, giving dedications. I really do. kind of just feel strange giving shout-outs like that. I mean, I said I'll do it, and I did it. But uh, I, I still feel strange doing it. But I think if I'm going to do it, I think I have to do it right. So... Hi, this is Casey Kasem, counting up down here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. This song is dedicated to Hot Four Sauce, or sorry, Hot Like Sauce from Hot Four Sauce. Here's your request and dedication. Okay. Let's go back to the rest of the messages I got here. From the 941 Free Judonk. Every week we get that. 734 area code. Hello, Druff. Longtime listener here. Can you please say Max Scherzer is God? Go Tigers on the radio show for tonight. I don't want to say that. They're playing the Dodgers tonight. That's why he's telling me that. Last I checked, it was no score in the first. I'm kind of disappointed I'm missing this game, but what can I do? This is my radio night. From the 323 area in Los Angeles, 
Druff, were you starting late because you were busy or because you were betting the Tigers' run line tonight? <laughs> for the 561 area code in Florida, Bullet Bill for president. For the 954, uh, sadly, higher percentage of white people on welfare than any other race. 29% white, 27% blacks last time I looked. That's from 954. Uh, finally, from 815, tell Ken I got a boner for him. Can you say shout out to Boner Guy's wife? Say, I love her. This is the first time she's listening to the show. So I guess if he's getting a boner tonight and his wife is listening too, I guess it's okay because someone can actually do something about that. And in fact, it makes me feel better. I just hope that when she does something about your boner that you actually turn off the radio and don't listen to me because it's kind of creepy for me to think about it. Dude, listen to me. Well, you know what I'm saying. All right, let's go on here. You can also talk to me in the chat room if you want. Click the chat button at the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. I will try to read the chat room as much as I can, but I can't promise it. People are hating on Dan Heron, but I don't know. He he did pretty well in his last start. I wasn't thrilled when the Dodgers got him, but he looked good in his last start. And uh, right now, not the first inning, but Dodgers ahead one nothing. I'll be watching this. I'll be rubbing it into my... Many Detroit area listeners, if the Dodgers win this game, especially with Heron pitching, it's not like they had Kershaw or even Granke. So, let me move on to the first topic. By the way, I didn't completely finish with the topic list, but the only thing I left off was the Ask Dan Druff segment, which we will have every week, including this week. All right, so let's talk about Sheldon Adelson and the Sands Corporation and the trouble that they had this week. Sheldon Adelson has been backing various groups that are anti-online poker. In fact, more than backing them, he's actually been funding them. They're pretty much working for him, where if he didn't exist, they wouldn't exist. But let me get the latest ad here. Where is it? These are really stupid ads that he keeps running. I mean, it's not him personally running the ads, but as I said, he's bankrolling them. And I should have kept it. I didn't have this ad ready. Here we are. Here's the ad. And this was posted on April 2nd, I believe. All my friends have iPhones, iPads, or whatever. They're everywhere. I got my own iPod Touch. It's pretty cool. With Wi-Fi, I figured out how to get on gambling sites with my dad's login. He doesn't know that I know it. Now, hold on a second here. Hold on a second. From listening to that voice, how old do you think that kid is? Like, definitely not younger than 16, right? Like, he's at least 16 from that voice. Maybe even older, maybe even college age, or maybe even 25 or 30, but definitely not like a little kid, right? It's definitely like at least a 16-year-old talking. Well, no, the kid they're showing doing this is like 10 years old. I'm, I'm not even kidding. That's supposed to be the voice of a 10-year-old. <laughs> so, I, I think maybe Sheldon Adelson is so old he forgot what a 10-year-old sounds like. But he saved it in his contacts on his phone. I was playing Angry Birds, and then, you know, I just found it. 
It's a lot cooler knowing that I'm playing a real game, not just like Candy Crush or Fruit Ninjas. I especially like Blackjack. It's fast, and I'm getting pretty good at it. All right, what's the problem there? <laughs> Maybe it'll be a good card counter later on in his life. I still double down too much, but it's so much fun. Roulette is cool too. You just have to pick colors and some numbers. Poker is the best. I've already played a bunch with my friends. By the way, I'm looking at the name of the players at this fake poker table. And uh, we have Big Slick is the name of the kid. He was actually dealt pocket aces here. So, again, this looks pretty positive to me. See, so he's dealt pocket aces. Uh, he's up against Poker God Bob J. One time, 7-2 off, The River, Bad Beat, and Renee. <laughs> Which of these do not sound like the other? <laughs> I guess we have Bob J also, but then there's Poker God one time, seven deuce off, or seven two off, the river, bad beat, and big slick. It kind of looks like this was made by someone who kind of knew about poker, but really doesn't. Uh, let me go on here. It's hard though. Every time I think I have it, like somebody comes along and steals the pot. But you know, you just keep playing, and sometimes I win. It's pretty fun. And hey, that's my story. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I do. Let's listen to that again. Win. It's pretty fun. And it's easy. You just keep playing and sometimes I win. It's pretty fun. And it's easy to switch into new games. What about all the money I'm losing? Uh, first, it's on my dad's credit card, so we can always pay it back. Second, my brother's friend told me that since I'm too young to play, I don't think they're allowed to keep the money. I'm pretty sure about that. And it says, say no to internet gambling. So the funny thing about this ad is that, aside from the stupid voice that's like six years older than the kid at minimum, um, the funny thing about this ad, it kind of has a happy ending, that the kid lost money, but he heard that his dad probably won't have to pay because he was underage, which actually might be true. <laughs> if the online casino didn't properly secure the site for minors that they, they probably can get out of paying that so the kid might be right so it's a happy ending if the kid won he keeps the money if he loses well oh well he doesn't have to pay not a very convincing ad but anyway that's one of many ads that have been coming out recently to convince people that legalized online poker is a bad thing and Sheldon Adelson has been backing it so that's been his focus has been scaring people into believing that underage gambling will be a problem. Well, here's a story that just came out. Sheldon Adelson, who owns the uh, Sands Bethlehem in Pennsylvania, paid a uh, $48,000 fine for four separate instances of underage gambling on the casino floor of the Sands Bethlehem. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot easier to catch minors in a physical casino than it is online, but Sheldon can't even handle that. So uh, the funny thing, though, is that while it's easier to catch minors in uh, live casino settings... It's pretty tough for minors to actually get on 
at least without their parents' knowledge and approval in an online casino setting. There's just too many things that the kid has to get a hold of in order to make it happen. And if it ever did happen, the worst that would occur is the kid would play for a month, he'd lose some money, the parents would find out when they get their credit card statement, and that would be that. That's not enough time for any kind of meaningful poker addiction to start, and even if it does start, the kid is shut out at that point. It's not like he can start using his own credit card. So once the parents find out, they put a stop to it, and that's it. So it's a dumb ad, it's a dumb campaign, it's a dumb fear. There's going to be very, very few minors playing on these online sites. There will be a few, and there will be some who actually get their parents' permission to do so. But okay, as you see, this happens live too. Four different instances, and these are just the ones that they were caught in Sands, Bethlehem. And also in uh, 2010, there were six separate incidents in the 2010 calendar year at Sands, Bethlehem. Uh, These ones that, uh, that he just paid the fine for actually took place in the second half of 2011. I guess it took a while to find them. But I guess that's one way you can talk about doubling down here, because he paid 48000 for this and 48000 for the incident in 2010, or incidents in 2010. So since 2010, or actually between 2010 and the end of 2011, 10 different incidents occurred where the Sands Bethlehem was allowing minors to play on the floor and didn't stop it. It's so pretty hypocritical, and you know you can't blame Sheldon Adelson directly for these underage gaming violations. He's not standing on the floor policing each of his casinos, obviously, but it is kind of interesting that the focus has been on scaring people about underage gambling when it's happening in his own house. The truth is, it just keeps happening everywhere. And uh, if anything online, it's tougher to do. But you're never going to completely eliminate it, but that doesn't mean you eliminate all gambling. Because if you're going to eliminate all gambling online to prevent underage gambling, you should eliminate all gambling live because it occurs there too. So kind of foolish. In fact, very foolish. And this is obviously an embarrassment. But truthfully, while we can laugh at this, it's not going to matter very much because this isn't a debate. If... A debate were to be had between online gambling proponents and online gambling opponents, I believe given a competent person on each side, the online gambling proponents would easily win. The problem is this isn't a debate, and it's pretty much whoever can spend enough money to convince the public and the politicians to do what they want. Fortunately, there is a lot of money backing online gambling and the legalization of it in the United States, various corporations have already spent a lot of money in developing these, these platforms or establishing partnerships with existing platforms, so they are not going to just back down because Sheldon is against it. But I thought that was an interesting development, even if it was something that occurred in 2011. They just paid the fine recently, so it's not even like we're fishing back to find an old story. So... Let's uh, move on to the next subject. See if the chat room has anything to say. 
This is from Beer and Poker. It's surprising that any gambling ad for or against would actually say the underage gambler doesn't have to pay. It sets up the door for a bunch of liars who can just say their kid grabbed the laptop and degen off the money even though they did. Well, you know, I don't think Adelson cares about the consequence to the providers of legalized online gambling from this ad. But at the same time, I do wonder what will happen in cases like this where a father comes forward and says, hey, my kid was playing. It wasn't me. I mean, will the casino be forced to refund him? Will they just say tough luck? Like, I don't even know what the law is about that. It's funny because the kid says, I think that's the way it works. That's what I heard. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that's kind of what I heard too, but I don't know either. Like, I don't know any more than this 10-year-old kid with the adult voice. Here's some other comments from the chat room. Facebook is the gateway drug for online gambling, and Adelson will not attack them. Hmm, interesting. I will say that Facebook does have a lot of gambling games for free money, so that's kind of true. Um, Lou Father mentioning Mike Like Whoa. Remember that guy? A 16-year-old on Never Win Poker? Now he's way over 21, but at the time he was 16. Let's see here. Let's move on. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just got a text. Jeez. I don't know what to say about this text here. This text is, Druff, you're getting my panties wet tonight. April. And I would be flattered by that, except the previous text we received about a month ago was, I have a huge Jewish erection right now. So I I, I guess this week the same guy is April and he's wearing panties, in which case I'm really unhappy he's getting wet tonight. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a laughing matter, don't laugh. All right, so uh, moving on to our next topic. By the as you might have noticed, this is not a good show to have on speaker around kids or around mixed company. I think someone actually was making the mistake of listening to this in the room with his mother. And I think that person quickly realized they were making a mistake and put on headphones. All right, Phil Ivey, who's also known to wear headphones, he is having not the best week ever. He's having a tough 2004 by all accounts. Phil Ivey apparently lost, just this week, almost $1 million. It was reported that Ivey took a massive beating at Full Tilt for 945000 Poker News reported this, at uh, Deuce, to Seven triple, Deuce to Seven Triple Draw and PLO. Since changing his name from Phil Ivey to Polarizing, which is kind of a funny name on Full Tilt, uh, he has lost $3.3 million since December 2012. So that's been uh, about 15 months, 15, 16 months, he's lost $3.3 million playing on Full Tilt with a new name. Some people change their names when they just think they're running bad on whatever name or they think maybe people won't realize who they are. And if you start winning right after you change your name, you can feel like 
it's brought you good luck or whatever, but sometimes you just get completely crushed, and then you actually blame it on the name change. The truth is, in most cases, it doesn't really affect that, except if it's affecting the way people play you or, or the action you get, in which case it's kind of dishonest to do in the first place. I don't remember why Phil Ivey did it, but it's not really important here. Now, it was reported by Bluff Magazine, and I can't hate on Bluff Magazine too much because I know two of their big reporters there, Kev Math and Seriously Serious, listen to this show. So I can't bash Bluff. I've got to be nice to Bluff. But uh, it was reported by Bluff Magazine's editor-in-chief, Lance Bradley, that Phil Ivey's ex-wife, Lucietta, has remarried. And this is what he wrote. Over the weekend, Lucietta, who went back to her maiden name of Roberts following the divorce, married Chris Rich, who just happens to be a senior partner at Rich, Vencer, Rich Ventures, where Lucietta has been working, according to her LinkedIn profile, since January 2013. That's interesting. You would have thought that she wouldn't have to work after getting a divorce from Phil Ivey, but uh, maybe she didn't get as much money in the divorce as I had heard. I had heard a rumor that Full Tilt actually paid for the divorce and paid her $10 million to make everything go away. I know Phil Ivey later challenged that. But uh, that's what was supposedly paid at the time according to an inside report I got. But I don't know if the inside report is accurate. I'm just telling you what I heard. But anyway, she's been working at Rich Ventures since January 2013. Let's see what she claims to be doing there. I'm going to look at this LinkedIn myself. I'm going to once again produce the show. How do you spell her name here? Luce, it's a really weird spelling. L-U-C-I-A-E-T-T-A. It's a really weird name. So let's Google Luciata LinkedIn Ivy. How come I don't see this? Oh, here we are. Luciata M. Roberts. Oh, they got rid of the profile. That's interesting. Well, let me look at the cachet. Forgot about the cachet, Luciata Roberts. Here we go. Oh, wow. Luciata Roberts, senior partner. Wow. I did not realize. I didn't even know she was a lawyer. Luciata Roberts, senior partner at this firm here. Wow. That's not even in the article. So, senior partner at the Rich Ventures Group, past owner at LMR Ventures. I guess that spells, uh, that's Luciata M. Roberts. So, I guess uh, LMR Ventures was whatever she pretended was her company or claimed was her company after the divorce, but apparently it didn't really do very much. But now she's a partner with the Rich Ventures Group. Another senior partner is Chris Rich. And, uh, huh. Oh, I see. She's a, it's, it's not a law firm. It's a, uh, it's a venture capital firm. I see. That's why I didn't understand. I would have thought I would have heard if she's a lawyer. Usually we hear partner, you think of a lawyer. But no, she's a senior partner at uh, this equity group. So I don't know if she put in her own money or uh, 
she just uh, became a senior partner because she's now the wife of Chris Rich. Of course, she hasn't changed her name on here to Luciata Rich, and of course, this is an older page, at least by a few weeks, because this is in the Google cache. Wow. I need to teach Luciata Roberts Rich how to get rid of the Google cache. There is a way to do that. There is a way to do that, but she does not know that. So I don't know if Phil Ivey is bothered by this or not. Um, She's been working with Chris Rich of Rich Ventures since 2013, since January 2013. And apparently Phil Ivey was required to send her $180,000 a month in alimony. That's what the reports were. 180k a month in alimony, but now that she's gotten married, that stops. You never have to continue with alimony once your ex-spouse gets remarried. Child support, yes, if there's kids, but alimony, no. Doesn't matter how rich or poor their new spouse is, alimony is only for the unmarried. So Ivy may actually be happy about this. I actually have known people several people, in fact, who were divorced, who couldn't wait for their spouse to remarry so they didn't have to pay alimony anymore. They actually had a party when their spouse remarried. They weren't jealous. They weren't pissed off. They were going, great, no more checks from me. I have to imagine that Ivy probably doesn't mind about this. He has 180000 more to gamble with every month, <laughs> especially if he's struggling for money. And isn't winning in poker. I'm sure he'll be happy to keep that 180K. I know he tried to get that alimony changed after Black Friday. I don't know how successful he was. But anyway. That's what's going on there. I don't know if Phil Ivey has been losing just because other players have gotten better than him. Or if he's just been running bad. Or if he's lost confidence because he has been running bad. Or if this turmoil in his personal life has affected him. Or maybe it's a combination of all the above. But he has not been winning in poker. And now his wife has remarried a guy who's a venture capitalist, apparently. I wonder who's bringing in more money to this marriage. I wonder if she's bringing in more money or if he is. There's not that much of a point to marry for money if you already have money. I mean, sure, you you have even more money then, but usually money marriages occur where one individual doesn't have much and the other has a lot. And you never know with these venture capital groups. I mean, sometimes it's people just putting together other people's money and they don't have much themselves. In case you're wondering, yes, Chris Rich is black which uh, Lucietta Ivy is. Oh, she's actually listed now as Lucietta M. Rich. Let me click on that. I see. So she wasn't trying to hide her own profile. She just changed her name and created a totally new profile. I found it. So if you search for Lucietta M. Rich, you will find her current profile. I thought maybe she was hiding it because of the poker news report about her, but apparently not. Here's her job duties. By the way, I'm not giving out private info here. I'm reading from her public LinkedIn page. 
identifies trendsetter ideas by researching industry and related events, publications, and announcements, tracking individual contributors and their accomplishments, locates or proposes potential business deals by contacting potential partners, discovering and exploring opportunities, screens potential business deals by analyzing market strategies, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's all pretty much the same crap. I have some other Phil Ivey news. Phil Ivey has followed a new person on Twitter that you might know. That person is me. Yeah, Phil Ivey, the real Phil Ivey, follows me on Twitter starting very recently. And I was, when I saw that at first and I see Phil Ivey verified, I'm like, wow. I didn't even know Phil Ivey knew who I was. But not only does he know who I am, but he actually took the trouble and time to follow me. In fact, maybe Phil Ivey listened to this show, I thought. Then reality set in. I went and checked his Twitter account and saw that he has uh, only about 45,000 people he's following. (laughs) I also heard that a whole lot of other D-list poker players and poker media types were getting followed by Ivy, making me believe that Ivy himself was not following all these people, that... uh, it was probably some agent in control of his account, and this is some kind of uh, marketing ploy to make people pay more attention to Phil Ivey, making them think that he's following them. I guess it worked. He got me talking about him. So I've always had the feeling on Twitter with people following me who are famous that it's kind of like a slutty girl in high school. Like, you're only flattered if a hot girl sleeps with you if she's not sleeping with everyone. So, like, when someone follows me or something follows me that I would not expect to follow me, when I think whatever is following me is a lot bigger and more well-known than I am, and they are following me, when I take a look and it turns out... When I take a look and it turns out that this person or entity is just following everyone... I'm not flattered anymore. Just like if the sluttiest girl in high school has sex with me back when I'm in high school, I'm not flattered either. You have to say no to some people if you're going to say yes to me and have me appreciate it. This is a text from the 612 area code in Minnesota. I'm hoping that uh, hoping I don't uh, see some bad news here. No, there's no bad news here. This person says, uh, Brittany, Brittany, Gl- I can't even say this. Brittany Griner's clit has an eye for pitching. That's a user on our site, by the way. Uh, you can stick a fork in Dan Heron. Oh, and I do not have an erection. Well, It is true that this individual said that Dan Heron was going to lose tonight, but uh, it's one-to-one at the end of two. I thought, like, Heron got bombed and it was five-to-one or something. It's it's one-to-one after two. That's a very typical score after two innings. I have no idea what this guy's trying to say to me. But thank you. Thank you. Someone texting me frantically that they want to talk to me. They're not aware that I'm on the radio. 
I hate that. I hate when they have no clue I'm on this show and then wonder where I am and why I will not call them or answer their phone calls. Actually, this is not a poker person, so that's excusable. I, I do hate when people in poker have no clue that I'm on the radio here and yet press me to call them. Like, I don't expect everybody in poker to know about this show because the truth is most do, most do not, but if you know me enough to have my phone number, you should know about this show. All right. Let's take a look at the chat room here before we move on to another subject. Shout out to TMMLK, by the way, who's begging for it via PM. And no, uh, Brittany Griner's clit, you did not text in. Someone was texting that you know what you're talking about, which made me think the Dodgers were getting killed when in reality they were not. Darkstar saying Chris Rich is also in mergers and acquisitions at Humana. Interesting. Shout out to Mittens the Cat, by the way. Mittens the Cat is a very popular cat whose popularity is only increasing over time. So shout out to Mittens, definitely. Mittens is actually owned by Seriously Serious. And there's a lot of people getting rich these days. Chris Rich is getting rich. Lucietta M. Rich is getting rich in two ways. And uh, we even have others getting rich. Like there's one guy who has a small food company in Idaho who apparently just got a $10 million approval for business credit, thanks to someone we all know. Hi, my name is Ivan Sigerson from Casa Food Company. I've been in business credit coaching pro for about five months now, and I'm really excited about what just happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million factoring line of credit that is going to be vital to my company as we continue to grow. I have found the coaching program to be very thorough, and while it did take some time, I can say with full confidence that my company is now credible and has the financial backing to allow us to grow. Yeah, that's impressive. Ivan Sigusen, $10 million. Sounds like a very... Trustworthy testimonial. Sounds like uh, he wasn't reading from a script or anything. Sounds like he was telling us the truth. Sounds like a guy that I can trust and believe. Took him some time. But Ivan Sagusin of the Castle Food Company got a $10 million line of credit. Thanks to someone we all know. Won't say who it is, but someone we all know got this guy a $10 million line of credit. Let's see. It's got to be doing well at this point, Castle Food Company. Let's see. Let's Google Castle Food Company. Castle Food Company. Let's see how well they're doing. Hmm. Can't find anything. I see White Castle, but I, I don't see any Castle Food Company. That's very strange. Where'd the $10 million go? That's so strange. Well, I, I do see the uh, this Ivan Sagusin. Let me let me click on his LinkedIn here. Now it does say that he 
Works at the Castle Food Company since April 1988. I don't see any other employees for the Castle Food Company. I, I can't find any other reference to the Castle Food Company on the web. And I, I do see a picture of Ivan Sagusin. He's a uh, balding older gentleman, probably looks about uh, mid-50s. Oh, this is amazing. Ivan Sagusin, owner of Castle Food Company, who got this $10 million line of credit... He looks identical to a doctor named Dr. Ivan Cohen. That's absolutely amazing. Wow. They must be long-lost twins. So one is a successful hair restoration doctor, and one is apparently getting $10 million lines of credit, and they look identical down to their smile, down to their expression, down to their glasses and their hairline and their suit even. Wow. They even dress the same. They even have the same background in their pictures. You should take a look at this. This is DrIcohen.com, D-R-I-C-O-H-E-N.com. That's Dr. Ivan Cohen. And if you uh, Google Ivan Sagusen, that's I-V-A-N space S-U-G-U-S-S-E-N, you'll see his LinkedIn. It's the same guy. It's like, it's like his long-lost twin brother. Wow. It's amazing stuff you find on the web. Amazing stuff. I mean, there's no chance that Ivan Sagusin is just like a, a stolen picture and a fake identity meant to prop up someone's phony credit guidance business, is it? There's no chance of that. I'm sure that the Ivan we just heard from really did get a $10 million line of credit. I'm sure he exists. I'm sure Castle Food Company is just hiding from everyone for some reason. I'm sure they just don't want to be found. I'm, just, I'm sure there's just no reference to them anywhere on the web I'm sure they don't have an employee identification number. I'm sure all of that is is the situation just because Castle Food Company is just very secret. They, they, they don't want anyone to find their secret recipes of 11 herbs and spices. Not sure why the owner would be doing testimonials in that case, but that, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's amazing how many scammers there are out there on the web. Not just in poker. But some of them eventually touch poker in some way or another, and I unfortunately get in contact with them, whether I like it or not. Hi, my name is Ivan Sigerson from Castle Food Company. I've been in business credit coaching pro for about five months now, and I'm really excited about what just happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million factoring line of credit that is going to be vital to my company as we continue to grow. I have found the coaching program to be very thorough, and while it did take some time, I can say with full confidence that my company is now credible and has the financial backing to allow us to grow. Hmm. Sounds legit to me. All right, let's move on. By the way, TMMLK accusing me of taking C-Money's $200 and scamming Poker Fraudler. That's not true. I've actually used that 200 on free rolls during weeks when we didn't have the money. And I gave TMMLK the chance to be on for the time he wanted. He just couldn't that day, if you remember. I didn't steal the money. I wouldn't do that. All right, uh, SimpDog bringing up a great point in the chat that I forgot to have an item on the agenda, and I'm going to go to this next, even though it's not on the official agenda. Uh, 
because some people are curious about it. And that is my 2014 World Series of Poker. My schedule is now official in that the list of events is now what I actually plan to play. I'm not guaranteeing I will play these events because if I get sick or something else happens where I'm not available, then I will not play and I will refund any money that anyone sends to purchase pieces of them. But I now have prices on all these events and it's a lot simpler than last year because almost all these events are $1,500 events and all have the same market. So if you want to buy any of these, you can send me PayPal to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. Exactly as it sounds, all lowercase, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You have to buy in multiples of shares. So you can't say, I want three and a half shares. It has to be three or four or one or whatever. It has to be a whole number. I will post in the 2014 World Series of Poker Forum on pokerfraudalert.com updates in the first post as to where shares are available and where they're not. Right now, everything is available, even though we have had some purchases. I haven't updated the thread yet, but right now you can buy anything. The big caveat of the series, you can only buy 5% of me until 10 days before the event because I don't want it to sell out too quickly. I want everyone to have a chance. Last year, we had some people who bought very large pieces of me, and while I appreciate that, I did shut out some people So I just want to make sure everyone gets a chance, and then after everyone's gotten their chance to buy a piece of me, then if there's money left over in the shares available, then uh, whoever's bought 5% is welcome to buy more at that point, 10 days before the event. But here's my schedule. It is now official. First event I will play Saturday, May 31st, 11 in the morning, event 8A, the Millionaire Maker, $1,500 No Limit Hold'em. This is the one with the million-dollar guaranteed first prize. Last year, it was a little bit more than that, I think. Huge field in this thing. Probably more than 6,000 people are going to play. It's almost like a main event, but only $1,500 buy-in. And that's event 8A. 8B takes place five hours later at 4 p.m. I will obviously only play 8B if I bust out of 8A before 4 p.m or basically the first four levels, whenever that ends. So if I bust out of 8A in the first four levels, then I will play 8B. If I don't, then I will not play 8B. So even if I can still register for 8B late, and I bust out of 8A, I'm not going to do it. I've decided the cutoff point is four levels. If at the end of four levels I'm still alive in 8A, I'm not playing 8B no matter what. If at the end of four levels I have busted out of 8A, then I will play 8B which starts at 4 p.m. There is one possible complicating factor that can prevent this, and that would be if I can't register for 8B due to the crowds. But what I might just do is buy into both in advance if it'll let me. But I I don't know if that's possible. It may be hard to unregister. You know what? I can't do it. So I'll only play 8B both if I... uh, bust out before the first four levels and there's not like a six-hour line to register because last year it was a disaster registering for 8B and if it's like that again then I won't register for 8B and just won't play. So I'm just warning you guys with 8B there's a good chance I won't play. But if I don't play you're not risking anything you're just getting your money back. So it's $18 a share for each one. A share means you're getting 1% of my action. So whatever I cash 
you get 1% per share you own. So if you own five shares of me in an event, whatever I cash, you get a straight 5% of that. There is no makeup here, by the way. So each event is separate. If you buy a piece of me and I don't cash, that money's gone. There's no makeup. You don't get it back in any way, shape, or form. You need to understand that. This is not a stake. It's a buy a piece situation. On June 2nd, provided I don't make day three of the Millionaire Maker, I will play the $1,500 No Limit Hold'em Six-Handed event. I did cash in this in one of the few times I played it, which was five years ago. In fact, uh, not only did I cash, but I was in a very good spot to have a large stack with fewer than 100 people left. And this is a big field event. Basically, I I made a good hero call to a large all-in raise on me when I had ace-10 top pair on like a 10-6-3 board. I properly read the guy of having jack-10, queen-10, or king-10. Indeed, he turned over king-10. And I was in business to double up to something real big till the king hit the turn. Very depressing moment. But I did cash. And I haven't played this event very often, so I cashed in 2009 at this No Limit Hold'em Six-Handed event, $1,500 buy-in. That'll be on June 2nd. Same thing, 18 per share. 1500 Limit Hold'em on June 20th. If you notice, there's a break there between June 2nd and June 20th. I won't be playing for a while, but I will return to the World Series June 20th for 1500 Limit Hold'em. I will not be selling that event. So don't try to convince me to sell it. I'm not going to sell it. Now, some people get angry and go, oh, you're just not selling that event because you think you have the best chance of cash and you don't want to share the wealth with the rest of us. No. Actually, even though I finished third in that event in 2005, is the first one I ever played, I've played it now nine consecutive times since then and not cashed. Nine consecutive times have not cashed in this damn event including the last three times I played, I was the mid-day one chip leader. Can you believe that? Mid-day one chip leader and didn't cash any of the last three years, even though I was mid-day one chip leader three years in a row, including last year. But that's not for sale. It's all on me. June 21st, provided I do not make day two of the 1500 limit hold'em, I will play the 1500 no limit hold'em at noon. And by the way, I, my best showing in one of these 1,500 events, I finished fourth way back in 2006 in one of these things. Two days later, Monday, June 23rd, provided I do not make day three in the 1,500 No Limit Hold'em, I'll be playing the $1,500 Anti-Only No Limit Hold'em. I enjoyed that event. It's kind of a weird and different event, but I enjoyed it. In 2012, I came close to cashing when the event was new. 2013, I did not make it very far at all, but I had two very easy tables. It just uh, had pretty bad luck at both of them. The first table was really easy, but it broke. June 26th is the big one. The one of two big ones, but for me, I kind of see it as the big one for me. $10,000 limit hold'em, which is the $5,000 limit hold'em now with a doubled buy-in. It's the one I finished fifth in last year. It's the one I bubbled in 19th the year before. It's the one I finished in 19th to cash in 2008. Uh, I have cashed in this event two out of six times. 
it would have been three out of six times if it weren't for that bubble. And by the way, that bubble, it didn't have to be a bubble. I had, I had plenty of chips to cash. I just wasn't afraid of the bubble and uh, played four hands and lost them all. That's what happened two years ago. Wasn't playing recklessly, but I'm saying I, I could have just folded to the money easily on that one. So I could have cashed three times in this one, but did not. Cashed twice, including a fifth last year. I really like this event since Daniel Negranu proposed the changes to the structure, which I feel really benefits me even more than other pros. That's not to say that I'm better than all the other pros in the field. I'm saying that the structure change benefits me in that it's better for me if the fish in the event, the money they lose at the beginning is more meaningful. And basically the changes made the events blinds start out higher to where it's meaningful right from the start, but they barely move up. It only moves up once during the entire first day. So that makes the fish who were going to bust out anyway, if they got off to a bad start, then it's meaningful. See, the problem before was that the blinds would move up too fast. It would start out meaningless, like you'd win, but the blinds would be too small to really matter. And then by the time the blinds would matter, they were too big to where it's just pretty much a luck fest. So even the bad players, if they get better cards than you, they beat you. So here, the, bland, the blinds are kind of just right to where it's meaningful but not too big. And it stays that way for many hours. So you really have a big advantage if you're good at beating fish. And that has always been my specialty, is beating fish. I don't like to be arrogant about my poker play. I'm not one of these guys who thinks I'm better than everyone. But one thing I know I'm among the best at is beating fish. I'm better at beating fish than most other pros are at beating fish. That's where my biggest strength is, is beating fish. So when they change the structure to where beating fish gives me a better edge in the, in the tournament, it helps me. And that's why since they made that change, my results have been a lot better in this event. Anyway, that's uh, $122 a share. And that one you were allowed to buy half shares because the shares are so large since it's a $10,000 event. You can buy half shares in that one. You can buy half a share, you can buy one and a half shares, whatever. Um, I think this is the event I have the best chance of cashing of any of them. And that's why the markup's a little bit higher. Last year it was actually lower. I, I forgot to adjust it up. It was a, a very low markup last year because I hadn't adjusted it up uh, because the old structure, I, I didn't think I had much of an edge. But the new structure I, I really like and I think it really helps me. And I, I noticed it. Now, yes, I ran well to get where I did last year. I'm not going to say there was all skill to get fifth place. But I'm also saying that given decent cards, I can make a whole lot out of this. Well, given decent cards and drawing some fish at my tables. But there's more fish in this uh, 10K limit event than you would think. A lot of no-limit players who aren't good limit players at all, and others you just wouldn't expect to be in the event who really don't know what they're doing in Limit Hold'em. This is not an event of all Limit Hold'em All-Stars. Now, by the time you get to the final table, all or most of the people there will be Limit Hold'em All-Stars. So once you get there, it's pretty much whoever runs the best. But getting there is a different story. So that's 122 a share. Finally, or not finally, second to last, on June 28th, 1,500 no limit hold'em again, $18 a share. 
Finally, Joe, on July 6th, the main event, $10,000. I'm not selling that. Do not try to convince me. I will not sell it. Only cashing it once. But the last three years have been pretty heartbreaking because I almost cashed three years in a row. In 2011, in 2012, and 2013, I got past 83 to 88% of the field and did not cash. So just kind of bad luck when it happened to be that I went out. 83 to 88% of the field I got through in 11, 12, and 13. And I can tell you without even that good of cards or without getting really that many situations where people got their money in and I had the better hand than they did. Like I, What I'm saying here is I didn't just get a lot of gift situations where I have aces and they have kings or I have a set and they have top pair. I just didn't have much of that. And yet I had a lot of the opposite where I had to make uh, big laydowns to huge hands where I could have busted. That's the main event. I will try to break my three cashless streak. Three times in a row I've made deep day three and not cashed in the main event. That's my schedule. If you want to buy a piece of every single event I mentioned that's for sale, that's $230. We'll get you one share of everything. You'll probably get at least one refund, no matter how I do, because it's probably unlikely I'll play every single one that I mentioned due to conflicts in the schedule. The first one being the 8B. If I make it through the first four levels of 8A, there will be no 8B. Last year, not only did I make it through the first four levels, I cashed in that event, the Millionaire Maker. So I will be good about refunding you the money in full and in a timely fashion. The other thing you need to know before buying a piece of me is that if it's a small cash or I owe you a small amount of money, I probably will not make you give me your tax information and send you a tax form. But if it's a large cash, then I have to. Because otherwise, I'm stuck paying your taxes and I don't want that. And the only way for you to pay your own taxes and me not to pay your taxes is for me to issue you that form. So if you don't feel comfortable giving me the information to give you such a form, then don't buy a piece of me because there's always a chance that um, I'll cash big enough to where I need to do it. So just know that before you buy a piece of me because I, I definitely don't want to pay anyone else's taxes. I pay enough myself. So that's my World Series. Sorry if it doesn't make the most exciting radio. But uh, there's already a lot of interest being shown. A lot of people have sent me money already. A lot of people who have been inquiring me how to send, inquiring with me how to send money. So if you want a piece, please do so quickly so the events you want don't sell out. And I, I don't want to hear debates about whether the markup is appropriate or right. I mean, it's pretty standard what I'm charging, but I'm not presenting this as a great money making opportunity. This is for fun. This is for you to enjoy watching someone else play the World Series and you know feel like you have a vested interest in it. I tweet very actively during the World Series so much that it bugs my followers because they, they hate it. Just like I tweet so much detail, so many different chip counts, so many different hands. And I do this so people who buy a piece of me and people who are interested in how I'm doing will feel like they're there. And I apologize to my other Twitter followers, and I always warn people, 
if you are following me and don't want to see this stuff, you should probably unfollow me during the entire World Series and then refollow me when the World Series is over uh, when my tweets are not all that frequent. But I do this because I want everyone to really feel like they're there. I, I don't want to just play the event and come back and say, ah, uh, yeah, I busted out. Or, uh... Yeah, yeah, I did pretty well. Uh, tomorrow I might cash. We'll see. Like, like I want you to feel the same things I am. I want you to feel the same frustration, the same triumph, the same hope, everything. I, I want to try to give you the experience like you are actually there sitting next to me because I think that's really what you're paying for here. And I think you have a right to know, being someone who has a piece of me. So, if you enjoy that, if you enjoy being able to sweat someone playing through frequent updates, then I'm definitely the right guy to buy pieces of. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll say about it is that I don't need this. What I mean by I don't need it is that I'm playing these events no matter what. I'm playing whether nobody buys pieces of me, and I'm playing if I get... Everything sold out. I'm playing regardless. I don't need the money to play. This is what I've selected to play regardless of what gets bought. Now, I'm doing this mainly to decrease variance because I don't play that many tournaments. I only play these World Series events and that's it. No, really no other tournaments throughout the year. So there's a lot of variance in tournaments and this helps decrease the variance but also I enjoy people on this forum and people on this who listen to the radio show having pieces of me and rooting for me and you know us kind of all being uh, in this together some people asked me last year were you frustrated that when you cashed for 52k at the 5k limit event that you had to give more than half of it away and I said no I wasn't because you know I sold pieces of me to the public hoping this happens, hoping I do well. I wasn't selling pieces to hope I lose. So I'm glad that uh, people who had faith in me and bought pieces of me succeeded and got paid because of it and made money because of it. I'm glad I made people money. It actually makes me feel bad when I lose these events and people lose money. You know what you're getting into when you buy a piece of me. You know there's no guarantee. You know there's a much higher chance that I won't cash in a particular event than cash. But I still feel crappy when I bust out that other people have bought pieces of me and had faith in me and I failed. So, anyway, let's move on. 775 fraud 55 775 you're in poker saying, do you promise not to break down and say you won't ever play the World Series of Poker again if things don't go well? Yeah, I, I had a little bit of a breakdown last year at the main event. Now, this didn't affect anyone or anything because that was the very last event. Nobody had a piece of me and you know, I had myself and, and I busted out and it wasn't a voluntary breakdown. I, I just kind of uh, got really dizzy and, and couldn't stand anymore and had to, had to sit down and just Felt like uh, I could hardly see. It was really strange. And that was when I shoved my ace-king over uh, an early position, loose razor, a flatter, and I had ace-king in late position. And I shoved, and the original razor quickly let it go. 
and the flatter snap called me. I'm like, oh, crap, he's got aces. And that's what he had. And as you guys all know, ace-king against aces doesn't work out very well. And that was the end of me. After avoiding so many spots for those three days where I could have busted. So many, I can't even tell you. So I was like, after I was so stressed about that, and so frustrated, and even had that incident there where I, I, I could hardly stand, and I had to actually go sit down, and, and, and I could barely see, and I had to put my head down on the table, and I was all sweaty, and I'd never had that before. And I've had much worse moments in poker than that. But for some reason, that was where my body just chose, chose to like freak out. And I was like, God, oh, geez, I, I can't have this. This isn't healthy for me. And I, I thought maybe I'd be quitting tournament poker after that. But, you know, after some time passed... I thought, okay, I'm just going to approach this differently. I'm just going to approach this in a different way. And even if I get really far in a long event like the main event, and even if it would be very frustrating to go out just in one shot like that, I'm just going to approach it differently and say that's part of the game. It might happen anytime. And if it does, it does. And that's it. And I come back next year and do it again. So... I think I'll be okay. By the way, Chaps, DJ Chaps keeps talking about this radio show. He said it's going to be coming soon. Last year, he last week he announced it'll be uh, for uh, four twenty, April twentieth. I was reading the the comment from Jay Stat in the uh, chat. Druff underplayed Ace King at the limit event and overplayed during the no limit event. Actually, if you want to listen to David Baker, who couldn't stop criticizing me during the uh, limit event, he said I overplayed Ace King at the limit event too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess he disagrees with you that t- there too. Uh, when am I updating the thread? It'll probably be tonight or tomorrow, where you guys can see where you stand. And, and yes, Simp Dog, I got your money. Thank you. So, let's move on to the next subject. The California Indian tribes have been slamming poker stars. Not all the Indian tribes, but some of them are very angry at poker stars, and they don't want poker stars in California. There is a group called the California Tribal Business Alliance, also known as the CTBA, and uh, the chairwoman of the CTPA, CTBA is named Leslie Loge. Now, I don't think she's related to Milwaukee pitcher Kyle Loge, who, by the way, is on my fantasy baseball team. But uh, she released a pretty harsh statement regarding uh, the situation with poker stars so once again this is Leslie Loge of the CTBA aka the California Tribal Business Alliance and uh, what they do by the way the CTBA they're a business credit organization hi my name is Ivan Sigerson from Casa Food Company oops no no they're not Uh, They're actually an alliance of three Indian tribes, Pala, 
Pasquenta and Viejas. Now, I don't know what Pasquenta is. Paula and Viejas both have Indian casinos in Southern California. Viejas is in the Southern San Diego area. Paula is in the Northern San Diego area, pretty close to Harris Rincon. So anyway, these three Indian tribes have formed the CTBA. And the CTBA is then also part of a larger coalition of 12 tribes that is led by the very large Pechanga Group, which run the large Pechanga Casino, which I think is the biggest one in California, in Temecula, California, which is uh, Riverside County. So the Pechanga Coalition is the one that has the bad actor provision in their bill to legalize online poker. That's the Reggie Jones-Sawyer AB2291 bill, which pretty much excludes poker stars or any other of those companies that were breaking U.S. law in the, in the recent past, where they're not allowed to join the California market. There's a different bill which does not have that, quote, bad actor clause, which would allow poker stars into the market. So that stuff is old news, but the new stuff are the statements that have been made. So Leslie Loge said the following regarding poker stars. Nevada doesn't want them. New Jersey rejected them. So now they're knocking on California's door? She almost sounds like she's talking about like a guy. Yeah, she doesn't want you. She doesn't want you. Yeah, she doesn't want you either. Now you're coming and knocking on my door? That's what Leslie Loge is sounding like here. But she's talking about poker stars, about how Nevada has not allowed them in, New Jersey hasn't allowed them in, and now they're trying to get in California. Then she went, to, went on to say, In an effort to come out of exile, Poker Stars is attempting to work a deal with Morongo, which is a, another big casino in, in the Palm Springs area, and some Southern California card clubs that would open the U.S. market to their, petition, their participation in iGaming, referring to Internet gaming. As a reminder, this is the group that refused to shutter its site even after the enactment of the 2006 UIGEA, making online gambling illegal. In 2011, the Department of Justice issued orders mandating the site close down and filed a civil action to seize the company's assets acquired after the UIGEA and threatened imprisonment, alleging, among other things, conspiracy, money laundering, bank fraud, and violations of the Wire Act and in settlement, they paid a $731 million fine admitting wrong, no wrongdoing. CTBA will strongly oppose any legislation that allows for bad actors who flagrantly, flagrantly ignored U.S. law, bringing their, ta- their tainted brands and unscrupulous entities back into the U.S. From CTBA's perspective, only entities that adhere to the highest regulatory standards, such as those used in the regulation of Indian gaming, should be licensed to provide online play. That's how we handle things in Indian country. And that perspective has served the California gambling market well. So she's saying that's how it's handled in Indian country. You don't let uh, criminals into into the mix there. Providing online gambling. That's what you do in, in Indian country. And uh, it's an interesting perspective about uh, Indian country. 
Let's go on here. Players understand that our games are safe, secure, and fair. They can't say that about Poker Stars. Many players are still feeling the bum, for the bum, the burn from past bad actions by Poker Stars and their higher ups. In short, the member tribes of the CTBA will continue to work diligently to ensure any online poker authorization bill will impose strong controls, mandate disclosures, and promote the highest standards of integrity in the gaming industry. Anything less serves to undermine California and the California market. That's what they do it in Indian country. All right, so what do I make of this? What do I make of this statement from Leslie Loge? It's pretty simple what she's saying here. She's saying poker stars broke the law. They broke the law for many years. We don't want them. Get the hell out of here. You were not allowed in Nevada. You were not allowed in New Jersey. We don't want you here in California. Get the hell out. In Indian country, we only allow entities that follow the law to be part of our Indian gaming environment. That's what she's saying. A lot of people are very angry about this. A lot of people are up in arms that... Leslie Loge would write something like this and basically that 12 tribes, including Pachanga, are pushing hard to keep poker stars out of the U.S. market. But I hate to admit it, but she has a point. Now, I will admit that poker stars has the best software. I will admit they probably have the most experience managing online poker. I have to say that a Poker Stars run room would probably be the best managed and best run room of all the legalized online poker sites, at least as of the present. But she does bring up some good points. Poker Stars intentionally ignored U.S. law to offer these games after the UIGEA was passed, and they made a fortune doing it. Even what they coughed up, this uh, $731 million to buy Full Tilt and uh, somewhat rescue the Full Tilt situation, actually not somewhat completely rescue the Full Tilt situation, that wasn't even near all their profits that they made during that time. That was just the fine slash purchase price they paid. They did break the law. You may not like the law, I may not like the law, but they were breaking it. And they had an unfair advantage in that they were breaking it, in that they were making money, in that they were gaining experience, in that they were able to make the money to keep refining their software and their business experience, while everyone else had to sit on the sidelines and pretty much start fresh when online poker was legalized in a handful of states. I've never felt good about allowing enterprises that broke the law 
into a legalized market. One, you can't really trust them to act within the law if they were willing to break it before. And two, they got themselves an unfair advantage and they are gaining from breaking the law. There's no point to have laws if those that break them ultimately get the advantage. It's just not fair. And I'm the last guy who would defend existing casinos or other online poker sites or even the legalized online poker sites. I criticize them all plenty and you hear that on this show. And I don't even hate poker stars. Some of you think I hate poker stars. I don't. I just don't think that they deserve to be part of the U.S. market after they've broken the law like this. They chose one path. They chose the path of breaking the law after the UIGEA was passed. They knew exactly what they were doing. They made a lot of money doing it. And now they have to live with it. Much like if I go out and commit a crime tonight... I will have to live with it. I likely will not gain from my crime if I am caught. My crime will likely affect future opportunities I might have. That's what happens when you knowingly choose to commit a crime. It has consequences later. People commit crimes typically for some sort of gain or some sort of satisfaction. In this case, it was financial gain. They don't just break the law because it's fun to break the law. At least most people and companies don't do it for that reason. So poker stars broke the law to make extra money. They did make extra money. Then they got caught. Then they got in trouble. Now it's time to pay the price. And the price was not just the $731 million. The price also is being considered a bad actor and being shut out of the legalized U.S. market. And you know what? Eventually... There is going to be good software out there. Eventually, someone's going to get it right. The Rational Entertainment Group, who owns PokerStars, they're not the only ones who are capable of making a good poker software product in the world. And once there's enough money in this whole thing, good software will come out. We're not seeing it right now. All the software pretty much sucks. But it's not going to stay that way forever. Five, ten years from now, I, I think the software we're playing on will be great. At least I hope it will be. But I think it will be because there's enough money in it to where it's worth hiring competent programmers and designers and everyone else to get it right. The products we're seeing now were rushed to market. Or in many cases, uh, repackaging of existing online poker sites that never concentrated too much on their software. So she has a point. Um, I'm not exactly sure why the Pachanga group is so against poker stars from their standpoint. I, I don't I'm not gonna delude myself into believing that they care so much about poker stars criminal history. There must be some other reason internally why they don't want this and this is their excuse. I, I get that, but uh Honestly, I, I don't think that Poker Stars deserves this. And you can't even say like Poker Stars has been uh, a bunch of angels. I, I've talked about on this show before all the things they've done wrong recently. The, uh, the Their FPP policy when it came to cashing out FPPs, how they screwed everyone. The, uh, the horrible way they handled the EPT Barcelona. And various other stories. They've been the lesser of all the evils, I'll admit that. But 
The big thing is they chose to to break the law for all those years, make a lot of money from it. Now it's time to pay the piper. Now it's time to accept the consequence. I've always been a big believer in accepting the consequence for your actions. You can try to get out of the consequence, but once the consequence is there, you can't complain about it. You have to accept to yourself that you chose this path and this path has led you to where you are today. And had you not made those choices, then you would be in a different place, much like party poker, which backed out of the U.S. market in 2006, is now in a different place. They gave up all the income from 06 to 11, but now they're part of the legalized market. Now they are not considered bad actors. Your life is a combination of all the choices you make mixed with luck and circumstance. A lot of times little choices you make can have big impacts on the future. But this wasn't even a little choice. This was a big choice on the part of poker stars to continuing continue offering legalized games to the U.S. market. So great, they did it. I played there. I'm not saying they were morally wrong to do it. But I'm saying when they did that, they had to understand that that was probably killing their chances to have games in the U.S. They can't have it both ways. They can't have their cake and eat it too. I know some people are unhappy to hear about that, but it's the truth. Jay Stat, I think he agrees with me. He says, if Poker Stars tries to weasel at the online poker hearing at the California Assembly, I will say my two cents during public comments. Someone asking in chat, when's the lock segment? We're actually not going to have a lock segment this week. There's no no new news about lock for once. I've been in business, credit coaching pro for about five months now, and I'm really excited about what just happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million factoring line of credit. That is- he doesn't sound very excited about that. I am really excited about what happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million factory line of credit. If that were me, I'd be going, hey, you would not believe what happened on Tuesday. Check this out. On Tuesday, I went to get a loan, and they gave me a $10 million line of credit. Can you believe this shit? I finally have $10 million bucks to expand my factory. It's going to happen. My dreams are coming true. Not... I am so excited about what happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million line of credit. (laughs) Does anyone hear that and really believe it ever? Is anyone that stupid to believe that a scripted, stilted message like that is really uh, a legitimate testimonial? All right. Harris Tunica... They are closing. Tunica is a place that a lot of you probably haven't been to before, but uh, it is fairly well known, and a lot of people in the south and the Mississippi area have good memories of it. Uh, 
I've never been there personally. I actually almost went there when I was just in the New Orleans area in December, but didn't make it out there. I did go to Biloxi, but I didn't go to Tunica. Uh, they're closing on June 2nd. They're putting 1,300 people out of work. Representatives with Caesars Entertainment Corporation said business has not been good for a long time and stiff competition for other casinos in the area is not helping. And that's true. They haven't been doing well. I'll give them that. So they're closing it on June 2nd. 1,300 people are losing their jobs. Uh, The people who have lost their jobs will be able to apply for other jobs within the company, but there just aren't that many open at the moment. Uh, Right now, there's only 80 jobs open at, uh, I guess, uh, nearby Roadhouse and Horseshoe. And here's the quote from someone at Caesars. After exploring every every other viable alternative, we have come to the difficult but necessary conclusion to close Harris Tunica in an effort to appropriately position our business for the current market opportunity and ensure the long-term viability of our remaining operations in the vicinity. What a bunch of bullshit to say we're closing this thing because it's not doing well. We are extremely appreciative of the enthusiasm, professionalism, and commitment made by the employees of Harris Tunica to provide outstanding service to our customers. We are determined to provide them with resources to help them in its transition. It had 1,356 hotel rooms. The casino was 140,000 square feet. It was built in 1996, so not even all that old. And... I know that uh, Tunica people don't get that much respect in the Caesars family. I heard a story that hosts at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas looked down upon anyone who would come from Tunica and have a diamond level or above. They just didn't really feel like those people earned it. And they always felt like these people saw themselves as more important than they really were. So hosts would joke to each other that they have another diamond from Tunica in town. A diamond from Tunica was anyone who overestimated their importance or how much they were entitled to benefits because they were a diamond member, which is the second highest level at uh, Caesars Properties. They they felt that Tunica people were the worst with that. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I know for sure that hosts at Caesars used that term, diamonds from Tunica. They even used it to apply to other people who weren't even from Tunica, but acted the same way. I don't even blame the diamonds from Tunica because they really, really try to push on you with Caesars marketing that it's so special to be a diamond or seven star. And then you get there and you you realize it's not all that special, but it's not your fault because it takes some time to realize that. I know when I first achieved my seven stars level, I I thought that uh, it was different than it turned out to be. I thought it was a bigger deal than it really was as far as uh, what you're entitled to and how they treat you and all that. Then kind of reality hit me that it's all just marketing. So no more diamonds from Tunica. It's closing. Someone in the chat said, LOL, why are hosts such douchebags? The reason hosts sometimes act like that is because hosts are constantly under stress at work 
to make gamblers lose money, basically. And if they fail in doing so, they get fired. They're, they're really under a lot of pressure to produce for the casino. They're really under pressure to bring people in and get them to lose money and not to give comps away to anyone but those who come in and lose money. And when hosts bring people in and the people just want comps and don't seem to play that much, then hosts get really pissed off because then their bosses give it to them from above. So then the hosts are in turn kind of bitter and angry a lot of the time. That's why a lot of times when you deal with casino hosts, uh, they're either aggressive or passive-aggressive. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Even the ones that seem to be nice, uh, you kind of eventually see their true colors because it's just a very stressful job, and I think a lot of them get to hate players because uh, they, they feel like players are trying to use them and they, they kind of don't see it that they're really using the players. Uh, Tuna in chat says, you're only as good as your last loss. Exactly. Hosts have no memory. Exactly. All the hosts care about is what you're doing on this trip and what you did on the very last trip. As soon as you come and don't play and they give you comps, they don't care how much you lost before, they're really on your ass. Unless you're a super mega whale, then they'll forgive it for a little bit of time. Hosts are always paranoid that you've blown all your money gambling already and now you're just going to use them for comps as long as you can. So they're afraid that even though you were a huge fish, a huge gambler, the last few times you came, that now you're out of money, now you're never going to gamble at that level again, and now you're just going to use them for comps every time and never convert anything. Convert meaning you're never going to play again. So they're always on edge. All right, so um, someone saying in chat, avoid hosts unless they come to you with a comp offered to you in hand. Doing this keeps your monthly casino coupons decent. That's interesting. I always thought the same thing, that you just shouldn't go to hosts unless you really need to. Unless they either come to you or unless you really need something from them. But otherwise, don't use hosts to book everyday things if you can book it yourself. JSTAT saying, I had a great host at Harvey's Lake Tahoe. He always had a fruit basket for me in the room and a bottle of wine. He was promoted and no no hosts afterwards came close to him. Interesting. All right, so um, I didn't mean to get this whole discussion about hosts, but I guess when I talk about diamonds from Tunica, I kind of had to. Speaking of hosts, poker host. They are leaving the Merge Network and joining the weird and lightly used Equity Poker Network. The Equity Poker Network, we keep talking about them on this show, and I I haven't heard about any direct scams from them, but I would still steer clear of them. The whole thing is just very weird. I don't think... There's hardly any players on there every time I check, and they really don't have any big rooms associated with them. In fact, I think uh, Poker Host is now probably the biggest one. Let me read to you about uh, equity from something I posted on uh, on Poker Fraud Alert a while back in November. Uh, it's a nonprofit network. 
to where the network itself does not profit. All the skins manage their own rake back and deals, which is really weird, which means they can just undercut each other and screw each other and steal each other's players. This is a terrible model where you can offer whatever rake back you want. So you see your competitor on the same network is offering 40% rake back, you, order, you offer 41% rake back. Then he offers 42, then you offer 43. And it, it ends up where everybody's offering such high rake back that uh, the network can't survive. And too much poaching occurs, it's a disaster. Poaching is where you know, they steal each other's players. Originally, there were five skins, Poker Hero, Gear Poker, Heritage Sports, Full Flesh Poker, and Integer Poker. Now there's Poker Host, and uh, someone had posted that uh, there was a max cash out of uh, 1K on, on one of these sites. Also, as reported on Poker Fuse, which is a good poker news website, by the way, uh, Michael Gentile of Poker, poker Fuse reported that there's also a shark tax on the Equity Poker Network. A shark tax is not a tax against players, but it's a tax against skins that if the room has a disproportionate number of winning players, they have to pay extra money to the other rooms. And the intent of this is to spread the responsibility of attracting recreational players and not just grinders who are winning players. The problem here is that uh, it's very hard to do that. It's very hard to know who you're going to be attracting by your ads and your marketing. Yes, it can discourage rooms from trying to poach all the grinders, which I think, I think that may be one of the points of what they're trying to do. But at, at the same time, you're punishing rooms that happen to have successful marketing towards the more successful players. It's hard to say we're only going to advertise to fish. And what are they going to put an ad in a, in a magazine? Hey, fish. Uh, fish only come play here. If you're a winning player, stay away. Only fish, please. Like, how do they even manage that? It says attract the recreational players. How do you do that without the pros finding out, too? So I think that's stupid. So I guess they're the seventh skin on there now. The. Action Poker Network joined as well last month. Um, let me open Full Flush Poker right now, which I have on my computer. We'll see how they're doing. And when I look at Full Flush, I'll be able to look at the entire network because you know they're all combined together. I think I may have to make another fake account there. I think you can't look without an account, which is very suspicious. Yeah, you can't. I don't remember my username, so now let's see. I'm going to make uh, to make a fake name here. <laughs> sign up for a new account here. Let's see. I'll make the account name PFA Radio. Uh, let's see. Uh, you can, you guys can all use this account. PFA Radio. The password will be PFA Radio 1. I'm not even kidding. I confirm I'm over 18. Okay, first name, my first name is PFA, my last name is Radio, my birthday is January 1st, or to make February 1st, uh, 1983, I'm male, my cell phone number is 
775-777-7777. And I'll uh, use an email address here at, uh, at Poker Fraud Alert. The, uh, let's see. No bonus code. Address 1234 Main Street in United States. Riveting radio, I know. Region be in uh, Nevada, it's Las Vegas, eight nine one three two. Next. All right, so just let me through. Oh, I, I didn't have to give a real address. I, I could have had an address like fuckitu.com. Anyway, taking a look here, and here's what we have. It's doing better than it used to. You know, there's actually more people on here than I saw previously. Maybe, maybe the Equity Poker Network is, is starting to take off. I was, I was ready to see about like 30 players here, but I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games that are uh, with 10 players. These are all ranging between five cent, ten cent, no limit, and fifty cent a dollar, no limit. Um, then we have a few one two games going a one fifty three there's one dollar fifty three dollar uh, a few more a number of six max games of uh five cent ten cent twenty five fifty cent fifty cent a dollar one two one two it's actually a five ten no limit going which is interesting and uh yeah I don't see any I don't see any fixed limit games going. Actually, there's a uh, there's a ten cent twenty cent fixed limit game, uh, and and there's actually a five ten going. No, there's nobody there. So yeah, it looks like there's about I don't know, hundred fifty players on playing right now or so. It's not terrible. It's not a totally dead network. It was last time I checked months ago, so I guess they've done better. Maybe since uh, Poker Host joined, they've improved. But there's still less than Merge. Let me go take a look at uh, at Poker Scout. Poker Scout is showing. Let's see, U.S. friendly rooms. Yeah, Merge has uh, 300 players on average and 576 at the peak. This has got to be around the peak time. And uh, Equity, it's showing uh, oh, pretty comparable. It's saying uh, 170. So Equity has, uh, has risen. I didn't realize that. I was about to criticize Equity and say how terrible they are, and uh, I, I didn't even bother to look because last time I checked, they had almost nobody. But I guess they've grown. Still, I don't think they have a good model. If you remember Lock Poker, they were bigger than all these, and you saw where they ended up. I, I don't trust Equity yet. I, I don't think they have the right model. I, I've i been hearing some sketchy things about them. Now, if you guys have been getting paid on Equity, please let me know, but I don't trust them yet. I do not trust them yet. 
Interestingly, they have about the same traffic on equity as they do on WSOP.com New Jersey and more than WSOP.com Nevada. <laughs> Pretty sad. So, Lock Poker, I see, has uh, 55 suckers on their uh, seven-day average. Pretty sad. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust them. Uh, Beer and Poker saying equity has a lot of sports books hook up, so you can move back money to the sports book. Well, yeah, but a lot of these sports books are really shady. They're even worse than the poker sites. I don't know. I just don't trust them yet. And as far as poker host moving there, Merge is still the bigger network. They've still got about twice the traffic of equity, even with equity's rise. I just don't think it's ever a good sign when a skin moves from a bigger network to a smaller network. I have a feeling that Poker Host was just kind of sick of the control that Merge puts on them. I think they were probably attracted to the idea that they could poach players and offer their own rakeback deals. And you know, you think it sounds great for the players. Just get whatever rakeback deal the site wants to give you and no more backdoor rakeback or secret rakeback or any of that crap. But the problem here is that there's too much poaching and I just don't think it's a viable model and I think they end up competing too hard to where none of them are going to survive. So, I wouldn't trust it yet. I would not continue playing on Poker Host. I think there's not enough known about equity and they haven't been around long enough to know if uh, your money's safe there. They've only been around since November. They popped up out of nowhere with five unknown skins. They added a sixth skin that else I hadn't heard of. And now Poker Host is joining, but I just don't trust him. Sorry. Bovada's the biggest one. They're saying there's a lot of people in Bovada. They are the biggest one. I actually do trust Bovada. The problem is I hate the anonymous tables, and also I hate the fact that it costs money to deposit there unless you do Western Union, which is a big pain in the ass. That's why I don't play on there. If they didn't have the anonymous tables, I'd put up with the crap with the depositing, but uh, I just hate the anonymous tables with a passion. Hate them. And it didn't help that the few times I said, ah, I'll give it a shot. I'd deposit on there. I'd go through all the trouble with Western Union. I'd run bad immediately. I'd bust, and I, I couldn't reload. and be such a pain in the ass. I said, screw it. This is so hard. I, I just, it's just not worth it. If the games were, like, great, I'd do it. But it's just not worth it. Moving on here. Let's see if we got any texts here. It's 775-372-8355. Let us see. Six seven eight area code looking for a Drexel update. I don't have one. I know he was uh, not happy with the situation that's been going on with a, a certain freak that's been harassing me. He uh, he kind of doesn't want to join back in radio as long as you have uh, people like that out there. Uh, this is from Bad Guy Twenty Three. He's again referring to that Spook Jansen, referring to Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers. Best not fuck us tonight. Heron was an ace a few years back. Scherzer is a fucking flash in the pan. Bad times never last for either Druff for, for forever Druff, but bad guys do. Quote Razor Ramon. 
tell Team ML Gay I'm going to blindfold him with dental floss. <laughs> These are the comments from Bad Guy via text. So thank you, Bad Guy. So he doesn't want uh, Ken Lee Jansen. Now, he reminds me, I, I've been so into the show here, I have not bothered to look how the Dodgers are doing. And I see right now that, oh, one-to-one. I should finish the show quickly so I can watch the end of the damn game. Of course, I, I don't have the channel to watch the game, which is pathetic. Not my fault. I have no way to get the channel. But I'll, I'll find a way to watch it, provided I finish the show. So bottom of the sixth, one-to-one. I guess Heron and Scherzer are both doing pretty well. Someone saying, Dref, please don't, deca- don't encourage the use of racial slurs. I'm not encouraging them. In fact, you know, I'm a Dodgers fan. I don't like uh, poor Kenley Jansen to be insulted like that. But uh, I'm reading the text for how they come in. And you just have to understand, uh, just like the chat room, I'm just reading what comes through. And since there's no censor and no FCC about this show, uh, I think everybody's adult enough to understand that uh, these are not my words. I'm just reading exactly what comes through. That's why I will read dirty comments. I'll read... Comments containing racism, whatever. Don't necessarily agree with everything that's written to me. I'm just reading what people are writing. The only thing I won't read are things that uh, would directly hurt other people in some way. Like if somebody texted me another user's address to read out here, I'm not going to do that. All right, so uh, let's move on to the next subject. I lost my damn uh, my damn agenda. Here we are. Well, I like this story. Like it in that it's interesting. I always like stories that are kind of unique and just don't always have a, a clear answer. Because, you know, when we talk about lock poker here, we all know lock poker are a bunch of scumbags. We know they're thieves. We know they're scammers. It's It's simple. It's a matter of reporting it, but there's no really... There's no real debate about that with anyone reasonable and rational. Uh, This other story I'm about to tell you, there's definitely room for debate and discussion, and I'll be the first to admit that there's no right answer to this one. It's really one of the few things in life which is just a matter of opinion. And I have my opinion, but I'm willing to admit that it's just an opinion and that I can understand how others can see the opposite. Here's the background. A Russian player on Poker Stars who calls himself Belyakov was playing 5 10 cent, 10 cent Zoom Omaha High Low, and he discovered that Poker Stars was paying out too many VPPs. Uh, basically, it was awarding uh, players 8.5 VPPs for every dollar raked instead of 7. And uh, the VPPs then, uh, they, they translate to FPPs, which are essentially your rake back on Poker Stars. I won't get into the whole FPP program. Most of you are familiar with it. But he calculated that the difference, them giving 8.5 for every dollar raked instead of 7, was costing Poker Stars seven to $8,000 in extra rake back per month, meaning over a year, almost 100000 that was his rough calculation. He doesn't have access to PokerStars books, but just looked at his stats on how many people play and how many hands rake, etc. 
So on March 22nd of this year, just a few weeks ago, he contacted PokerStars about this and told them what he found. He could have kept quiet. He could have kept collecting the extra rake back. Uh, He could have told his friends to get on there and rake the extra amount. But instead, he did the honest thing and reported to them what he found, including that he believes is going to cost them about 100k per year. On March 24th, he claims that they eliminated that problem, that they brought it back to seven VPPs as it was supposed to be, per dollar rate. But what really annoyed him was that they told him that it never was paying eight and a half in the first place. There was no problem that was, uh, um, he was just wrong. It's always been seven. He just calculated wrong. So he was infuriated by this. He felt they were being dishonest and ungrateful after he brought a bug to their attention that was costing them money and, and just tells them you know, out of the goodness of his heart. And they fix it, and then they say, oh, yeah, it was never a problem and cover the whole thing up. He was pissed. He said, you know, where's my thanks? <laughs> and I agree with him on this one. I, th- I think there's no doubt that that was the wrong way to handle it, and I think he dealt with an idiot initially. But that wasn't the real problem because uh, pretty soon after that, they did admit that he caught a problem there. Um, so this is what happened after he got insulted that they didn't acknowledge this despite fixing it when he brought it to their attention he posted on 2 plus 2 I'll read this uh, with his Russian accent hello poker community my name is Alexander I, I can't do a good Russian I'm sorry I from Russia about a week ago, I found important mistake on PokerStars about what I opened the subject on one of the Russian poker forums. Mistakes that I was at a game in Zoom Poker Tables NL 5 cent 0.1 dollar Omaha High Low, the software mistakenly gave to players 8.5 VPP points for each dollar rake instead of 7 VPPs. I consider this is wrong. We received rake back also consider incorrect it to use and receive and exceed excess benefit. I carry out a lot of work according to the game analysis the type of poker. This mistake led to increase rake back on the average of eight to nine percent. By my results, because of this mistake, the company overpaid superfluous rake back of seven to eight hundred thousand dollars USA every month. In case of your interest I am ready to provide all calculations proving this number. I began correspondence with the Russian technical support. In the evening of March 22, I provided all information with all calculations of the Russian technical support of the postal address of support at PokerStars.eu. For me asked to wait and by results of check promised to contact me. In the afternoon of March 24, uh, the next updating of the software, I noticed that the error is eliminated. The program began to add points correctly. Add in the same day, Russian technical support I receive the letter in which they do not recognize by me, by me found the mistake. Representatives of the company claim that no mistake existed and the, problem always, the program always considered points correctly. It is a lie. 
Many Russian players, from the moment of publication of my mistake on the Internet until its correction, could be convinced of it personally. All confirmed that the found mistake takes place to be. And by the way, I'm really reading his words, even though I'm putting this accent in. This is really what he wrote it. Now for me, it is very offensive, and I am disappointed that he did huge work, provided the company information for this mistake. The company corrected this error, ceased to sustain excess financial losses, and to me impudently says, lies, no mistake existed, and everything worked correctly. I ask you to examine and check this fact. Thank you. Okay, so that's that's what he wrote. I thought my accent got a little bit better as I went along here. Someone's saying I kind of sound like a combination of uh, Chico Loco and and, um, and and Russian, but okay, you're right. Uh, a poker star's rep then responded to him, admitting there was a bug. Poker star Steve said, "Hi, Alexander." There's no accent required on this one. I assume Steve. Uh, doesn't have an accent. There was indeed an error in the VPP awarding at our twenty at our five cent ten cent uh, Omaha high low pool for a period of months up until quite recently. The cause was a manual configuration error in our back end systems. I got a second hand report from another player about your forum thread, which I could not read myself as I do not communicate in Russian. He should ask Chico Loco for help. I validated that an error was taken place, and ensured. That it was fixed immediately. You know, forget Chico Loco. He should have asked for help from uh, Ivan Sagusin. Credit that is going to be vital to my company as we continue to grow. I have found the coaching program to be very thorough. And while it did take some time, I can say with full confidence that my company is now credible and has the financial backing to allow us to grow. Yeah. Uh our support representatives appeared not to have been aware of this action and evaluated the situation after the fix was deployed. So they basically Steve, Steve is saying uh, the support was clueless about this. That's why they told you there was never a problem. As they didn't see a current error, you got a response that reflected that. I'm not sure if I believe that. I think it's possible the idiots tried to cover it up at first, and then when he made it public, they had to admit it. But who cares? I appreciate you bringing this error to our attention, if you would PM me your user ID, I will ensure that you get a token of our appreciation. So, uh, this Russian guy was pretty happy with that, this uh, Belyakov guy, that now PokerStar Steve was offering him a reward for this. So, he asked Steve, okay, how much cash are you going to give me? He thought they were going to give him some money. And Steve wrote back in an email, a private email to him this time. I again appreciate that you have brought this error to our attention. I have confirmed that the rate of cost of this error was less than half of the 100000 per year, but was significant enough amount of money, and we are happy to have fixed it. We do not offer cash rewards for those who provide such information. A typical reward would be perhaps a tournament entry, in this case to the Sunday Million, as it was a significant error, but as you do not wish a tournament buy-in, perhaps you would be interested in an item for our, from our VIP store instead. So basically, uh, I, I guess in their communications, he offered, uh, you know, Belyakov was hoping for some cash, and they said maybe he can give you a tournament ticket. He said, hey, I, I don't want a tournament ticket, and they said, well, okay, how about an item from the VIP store instead? Now, keep in mind, a tournament ticket to the Sunday Million is worth 215 bucks. So Belyakov claims that after he decided he didn't want the tournament ticket and he decided he would take 
Steve up on his offer to get something out of the VIP store. He found a smartphone HTC One, which was 47,000 FPPs, which translates roughly to about 750 bucks in value. So he wrote to Steve asking for the smartphone HTC One, and Steve apparently said absolutely not. He said no. PokerStars refused it. So then Belyakov, as a matter of principle, refused anything. He said, all right, if you're not going to compensate me properly, F you. I'm just going to publicize it, what cheap bastards you are. So he posted, as a result, I have refused the reward in general. Better I will remain with anything than I will receive a tip. Such a word is similar to the bone thrown to a stray dog. <laughs> he thinks he's being treated like a stray dog. I want that all poker community knew that to cooperate with poker star is easy and present in any sense. Any advantage in the good done for this company will be or isn't noticed or is rewarded max minimum. I am disappointed in poker stars and I regret that I told them about this mistake. So he's basically saying, F you, if all you're going to give me is a $215 tournament ticket or some crappy thing out of the VIP store and you're refusing to give me this phone for 750 bucks, screw it. I, I saved you so many thousands of dollars. I saved you, uh, even if it is half of what you're saying, you know, even if it is 50000 a year, I, I saved you so many thousands of dollars per month and you're refusing me a one-time thing of a phone worth 750 bucks. So he's pissed and said, you know, just keep everything. I'm just going to advise everyone never to help you guys ever again. So this one's not easy because there's no real protocol established for this. When someone does you a favor and points out an error in your software, you don't automatically owe them money. If someone points out a bug on Poker Fraud Alert, I do not pay them. I do not feel I owe them any money. In fact, I would be annoyed if someone pointed out a bug and then said, hey, now that I pointed out a bug, can you send me some money? I'd say no. I say thank you for pointing out the bug, but you know I'm not hiring you to do this. That's something you do because you like the site, but not because you're trying to make money. So I can understand PokerStars' point in that uh, they don't owe this guy anything, and there's no precedent set where if you find bugs in their software, even ones that will save them money, that they automatically owe the guy who found the bug. At the same time, however, he did do them a big favor. He did save them real money that is now in their bank instead of going to the players due to this mistake. They're not stealing from the players here. I'm just saying that they were overcompensating the players and he brought it to their attention when he did not have to. Wasn't necessarily right for him to automatically believe he's getting a reward. Maybe that was his intent in the first place. Who knows? But still... The truth is he did save them a lot of money. And he wasn't asking for anything really unreasonable. If he asked, hey, give me half of what you were going to save for the next few months, I agree that that would be ridiculous and he, they should tell him F you. But he's asking for something worth 750 when they were offering him something worth 215 when he's saving them many thousands each month. And the truth is, had he not said anything, probably many more months would have passed and they would not have discovered this. So he really did save them real money and he wasn't asking for something worth that much more. $750 is nothing 
for poker stars. It's nothing for them. Especially when he actually did send them, save the money for PR purposes and for establishing a precedent that encourages people to report bugs like this that are costing poker stars money. I think they should have given it to him. They could have given it to him with a disclaimer like, this is a one-time exception. We really weren't intending to give something of this value, but because you saved us so much money, because you didn't have to do this, because uh, you were actually gaining as a player and reported something at your own detriment for us to fix, uh, we're going to honor the request on a one-time basis. However, if you found other bugs in the future, uh, please don't expect something of this value every time. Something like that. Something that covers their ass and they're not expected to do this every time for everyone. But in this case, they're doing it. And they come out looking good. They do this, either he says nothing, which is fine, or he comes out and says, hey, look how generous PokerStars was. Uh, I found this bug for them, and they offered to do something for me, and I, they said, hey, you can pick something from the store. And I picked this phone I wanted, and I have this phone, and it's really cool, and I like it, and thank you. Thank you, PokerStars. I'm so glad I reported this. And everyone comes up looking good. He looks good for finding the bug. He looks like an honest guy for reporting it. PokerStars looks generous. I mean, all for a $500 difference for a huge company. Stupid. It's just a, a PR blunder on their point, on their part. They're not obligated to give him anything, but I think they're being cheap. I think they are being cheap. I think you have to establish the precedent that you are going to award, or not reward, reward people who are going to come to you and do things that are beneficial for your company. You want people to believe that when you do something nice for us, we do something nice for you. You don't want them to believe if you report something to us that saves us a lot of money, we're going to give you almost nothing and kick you in the ass. Because I guarantee the next time this happens, anyone who read that thread is going to say, F it, we're not reporting poker stars. We're not telling poker stars anything. We're going to take advantage of this. So, Blue Odom saying in chat, the saved money is hypothetical because the bug might have been fixed at any time. That's true and not true. Um... If he discovered the bug like three days into it, I, I'd agree with you. But this has been going on for months by PokerStars' own admission. So if it's been going on for months, it probably would have gone on for quite s- some more months. I don't think it would go on forever, but I think uh, if something goes on for three months, it's probably going to go on for six months, like this. Because it's not obvious, it's not blatant, it's not something that will be immediately discovered. And of course, this is something players are never going to complain about. They're not going to say, hey, uh, I, I'm getting more FPPs than I think I should. Like, almost no one's going to ever say that. So this guy did, and uh, yeah, he really got undercompensated, I have to agree. So I, I think PokerStar screwed this up from a PR standpoint, especially. I don't think he was owed anything, but I think it would have been nice. All right. Uh, so let's move on to my editorial. Maybe I can... Uh, Catch the game here, the end of it. It's the bottom of the seventh, 1 1 still. My editorial here is What is a scam? It's kind of a weird editorial. It's a question. 
And it's one that it seems would have a very simple answer. That is, a scam is where someone pays money for goods or services that they do not receive. Isn't that a scam? Yes, it is. But a scam can take many forms. And the reason we're discussing here what is a scam is because I've noticed a disturbing trend on forums where people think that certain scams are okay as long as they aren't the blatant take money and just outright steal it variety. That getting people to buy something under deceptive practices isn't necessarily a scam as long as you're really delivering something. That uh, a scam, that that if, if the person who got scammed should have known better, if they were stupid, if the victim was stupid, that it's not a scam. I've read about that. If you're dumb enough to fall for this, you deserve it sort of thing. I disagree with that. When we were children, we were told a story called Jack and the Beanstalk. I'm sure all of you are familiar with Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk is actually about a scam. Jack and the Beanstalk is about a guy who has a very poor family. He brings their only real asset, a cow, to a marketplace and trades the cow for so-called magic beans. And everyone is so angry at him, this, this character Jack, for trading the valuable cow, the only thing they have of value, for some crappy beans that some salesman tricked him into doing this trade for. Worthless beans that he calls himself mad, you know, calls them magic. And idiot Jack goes and exchanges the cow for them. But instead of this story having the moral that you got to watch out and not let people scam you, it actually turns out that the win- the one winning this transaction was Jack, because indeed the beans really were magic. And indeed, when the beans were thrown out the window. They landed in the dirt and they grew into this gigantic beanstalk and Jack went up there and ended up getting uh, a bunch of gold. And even though he was uh, in a dangerous situation to get it, he came back with all the gold and his family wasn't poor anymore. Happy ending. So Jack got scammed. But the moral of the story is if you're an idiot and you get scammed, it'll all turn out okay. And in fact, you probably got the better deal after all. Now, I can't blame Jack and the beanstalk for people being naive regarding scams and people dismissing scams as no big deal. But I have to say, that's already setting a bad foundation for having people be aware of scams. Basically, what a scam really is, is where you enter a transaction believing it to be one thing when it's really something else that is not as good. When I say believing, I mean Believing what you're led to believe. If you're just stupid and don't understand, that's a different story. But if you are led to believe one thing to make you enter a transaction of any kind involving money, and then it turns out that you were misled in any way, it's a scam. It is a scam if you are misled in any way. Now, of course, there's different degrees of scams. The highest degree of a scam is just one where 
your money is taken and you never get anything, and that's been the plan the whole way. You're tricked into giving someone money and they run off with it. That's a that's the purest form of a scam. That's the highest grade of a scam. But there are scams that are lower grade scams that are still scams. Let's take lock poker, for example. This is not really a rant about lock poker, but they're a good example. Unlock poker, you can really play poker. Unlock poker, they do occasionally cash people out. Some have been waiting more than a year, but uh, it's not that they process zero cash outs. They just process almost zero cash outs. Uh, They constantly lie about the cash out situation. When you go to deposit, not only don't they tell you about the cash out situation, but if you try to ask them, they blatantly lie and tell you that you can cash out between four and six weeks. And your money is not really sitting on deposit. Your money that you're depositing is being used to pay out other people so those people can falsely believe that everything is okay over there. It really is robbing Peter to pay Paul. If Locke was honest about what they were doing, if they were honest that they were taking money from you to pay the other people who are waiting over a year to get their money and that your money is now gone and you have to wait for other depositors for you to get your money, you would never deposit there, right? But the reason people deposit there is because Lock Poker lies to people and misleads them that their money is just going to be sitting there waiting for them. Even if you don't chat with support and get this lie that your money is going to be sitting there waiting for you and that you can get it within four to six weeks, even if you don't get that directly, it is highly implied by going to their website that the money you are depositing is going to be held safely. That's the assumption you are supposed to have by depositing there. All their marketing material points you to that assumption, which turns out to be incorrect. So you are depositing there under false pretenses. And even if you eventually get your money out of there, it was still a scam because they stole your money at one point and then just returned it later. Which, by the way, for almost everybody, they haven't. But I'm saying even if they had, even if they paid everybody today, they would still be a scam because they will have stolen it in the first place. Because they will have gotten people to deposit under false pretenses. But let's get away from lock poker because that's not what this editorial is about. Anything that misleads you into making a purchase or a transaction is a scam. The only exception is if the misleading element is purely accidental, which is highly unlikely and very, very rare. Very rare. Once in a while, it's because of a typo or an old web page that was that was uh, never replaced. Um, I, I once had—I don't want to get into a tangent here—but I once had a situation at a Vegas show where, for Vegas locals, they got a certain deal. The only thing was the deal was no longer. It didn't have an expiration date on it, but they just uh, stopped offering it, but forgot to take the web page down. Well, I showed up there looking to redeem the deal, and they said, no, sorry, it's expired. I said, no, it's not. It's right here on your webpage. And uh, the manager was very obnoxious with me, saying, I don't care what it says on the web. We've ended this. I said, well, you've got to take it down from the webpage. It's one thing if it says expired, whatever. If it's right on your webpage, come down here and you get the tickets for this price. If you're uh, a local, you've got to give it to me. In fact, that's the law. So um, the bottom line is here that uh, that was not an intentional scam, that was an accident. They left the web page up. They're supposed to honor it, by the way, by law. But um, still, at least I can't say this was any way they were intentionally trying to cheat me. That was an accident. But that's a rare accident. 
Usually, when there's something that is misrepresented, especially online, regarding any kind of uh, sale or a transaction or service you're purchasing, it is very much intentional. If you are ever believing you are getting one thing, and all the information you were given points to you getting one thing, and then you get something else, or they don't deliver everything that was promised, you have been scammed to some degree. You should never feel bad about asking for everything you were promised at the price you were promised. Furthermore, if you were ever pushed into getting a product or a service that was made out to be different than it actually was, on purpose again, then you should call them out for it. You should demand a refund. A question has come up recently as to whether or not false testimonials are either one against the law or two immoral. Is it wrong to have a web page advertising a product or service with a bunch of fake testimonials from people who don't really exist? Commenting on that, uh, Mr. Ivan Sagusin. Hi, my name is Ivan Sagusin from Castle Food Company. I've been in business credit coaching pro for about five months now, and I'm really excited about what just happened on Tuesday. I was approved for a $10 million factor in line of credit. So let's say you read this testimonial or listen to this testimonial from Ivan Sagusin and believe that he was approved for this $10 million line of credit, this factory line of credit. And you wanted to go to this business credit coach who got Mr. Sagusin this line of credit. If it turned out that Ivan Sagusin does not exist and that Castle Food Company does not exist, then you have been scammed because you have gotten services from this individual believing that he worked with this Ivan Sagusin and got him a $10 million line of credit. And if Ivan doesn't exist and if his company doesn't exist and the $10 million line of credit does not exist, then you have been scammed. You have been. You've been scammed by a false testimonial. You've been led to believe that these services resulted in a certain level of success for others who used the services before you, making you believe that you will be like the people who had the success if you use the services too. Now, not only is this immoral, but it's illegal too. In 2009, the Federal Trade Commission passed new laws involving the Internet and actually all advertising involving testimonials, and that false testimonials are now 100% illegal on the Internet and everywhere else involving any kind of product or service that's sold. And you can check this out. You can Google this about the 2009 law at the FTC. But this is just one of many examples. The bottom line is, if you're ever anywhere, if you're ever considering a product or a service where you're being lied to about something, you should run the other way. You should never get any service where the testimonials are either fake or about someone else. If you see testimonials, they better be about the person you're going to be buying the goods or services from. And the person giving the testimonial should be real. And they should be legitimate and they should be telling the truth and they should also be disclosing their true relationship with the, persons they're, with the person or the company they're giving the testimonials for. And if they're not, they are, again, scamming you because they are misrepresenting themselves as giving testimonials 
for a service or a product when these testimonials are not real. And thus convincing unsuspecting customers to buy these products or services based upon false testimonials. The bottom line is you should always get what you expect. I'm going to tell you about a uh, personal situation I just had this past weekend. Nothing to do with anything I've discussed so far on this show. As some of you know, I do fantasy baseball. By the way, congratulations to I Am Greek for uh, winning the uh, tournament this week. Who's actually donating it back? Donating it back to uh, next week. Very nice guy. I'll tell you what happened to me last weekend. This weekend that just happened a few uh, a few days ago. As you know, I play fantasy baseball. And we have a live draft. This is actually a, a live draft league where we all get together. Uh, it's, it's people that know each other. In fact, we're only five people deep. We're five people. We have two teams each. And I, I won't go into details about the league as you'll be bored. But uh, um, all five of us have known each other for a while. And we meet in person and, and whatever. We actually all went to uh, opening day together of uh, the Dodgers game. But um, finding a place to have the fantasy baseball draft is sometimes a challenge. And uh, we decided to have it this time at a pretty well-known chain place, chain kind of sports-themed place. I'm not going to name it, but uh, one of the other people in our group, not me, contacted them, asked them if they had a room we could use, and they agreed. They said, yes, we do. We told them we had five people. Five people were all going to have laptops. Uh, Do you have a room like that to accommodate us? They said, yes. We explained it was for a fantasy baseball draft. They understood everything. They told us a certain minimum money we have to spend on food while there. We agreed. Showed up on Saturday morning. None of us lived anywhere near there, but that was the meeting place for all of us. And the room was tiny. The room was so small, it was physically unable to accommodate five people sitting at the table with laptops. Literally. Well, the manager, the acting manager on duty on Saturday there, refused to do anything about it. They had a bigger room. They had not sold it to anyone yet, but they would not give us the bigger room because the manager said, hey, it's not my problem. I'm not the one who promised it to you. We said, hey, we have a contract. Hey, we have emails. He didn't want to see him. Just a tough luck. This is the room you you registered. This is the one you got. If you were too far away to come take a look at it, too bad. I I said, look, we have emails. We have emails telling us that you have a room that will fit five people with laptops. That's what we came here expecting. That's what you promised us. He said, I didn't. Somebody else did here. Not my problem. So we had to make do. Someone actually sat on a coffee table uh, as the fifth guy and... uh, Boy, was it a pain in the ass. We, we had no choice, though. That's where we were. I spoke to the general manager yesterday, and he admitted I was completely in the right. We were, we were completely in the right and uh, you know, gave us some of our money back. But uh, we would have much rather just had a, a room that worked and a room that was promised to us in the first place. The reason I'm telling you this 
is because we were initially scammed. We were sold a room by someone who knew that we wouldn't fit in there, but just wanted to make a sale. We were very clear to him. In fact, we asked him, will this room be good for five people with laptops? Do you have enough plugs? Do you not have enough room? Yes, you, yes, we do. This person said that just because he wanted his commission. Then when we got there, the manager on duty didn't want to sell the bigger room because he felt he could make a sale to someone else that day. So he said, tough luck. Well, I knew we were being scammed because I knew what we were promised. And when we got there, they refused to deliver it. If you ever have that situation in your life, if you ever have that where you're expecting something and it's not delivered, especially you have it in writing, you're being scammed. Do not ever feel embarrassed to call out that you should get what you were promised. In fact, you should sue them if they refuse. Or they won't make it right in some way. And you should never be embarrassed to call out anyone that makes promises and don't deliver. That tricks you into getting their goods or services. You guys remember uh, the old stories about snake oil salesmen? Step right up. Step right up. Buy our new potion here. Our new green potion will cure all ills. Cure the measles. Cure the mumps. Cure AIDS. Whatever you have, it'll cure. In reality, the green potion is just food coloring in water. That's someone asking, is it Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> the original snake oil salesman was a scammer. The original snake oil salesman would travel from town to town and pretend that his colored potions cured various ailments when in reality they did nothing. Except maybe they were a placebo. That was a scam. You were promised something. You paid good money for something, believing it to have a certain function that it could actually not provide. Now what about... If you're that dumb to fall for it, you deserve it. What about the people who fell for the snake oil salesman back in the day? What about other people who spend money on obvious scams on the internet that should know better? What about dummies who send money to Nigerian scammers believing that they're going to inherit $100 Do they deserve to get scammed? Well, I will say that these people are not very bright. They're not very savvy. They're definitely doing their families no favors. But they don't deserve to get scammed. Just because you're bad with money, just because you're gullible, doesn't mean you deserve for others to take it from you. That doesn't mean you deserve to be punished for your stupidity or your gullibility. It means you're more susceptible to being taken advantage of, but it doesn't mean it's right for those to take advantage of you. Same reason it's not right to steal from a retarded person or a blind person. It's also bad to steal from someone who just isn't very bright and is easy to trick. Theft is theft. Scams are scams. You can't say, if you're dumb enough to send money to someone on the internet, you deserve it. No. There's only two times where I can say people deserve to be scammed. Number one is if you're in the process of scamming yourself and get re-scammed, then you deserve it. And number two, if you're purposely supporting a a company or individual that you know is scamming, but you don't care, 
and then you end up getting scammed anyway, then yeah, you kind of deserve it. Like the people who played on UB when they knew very well it was the same ownership that stole from them in the first place. Those people deserve to get scammed. A Nigerian scammer who you somehow trick into sending you money, he deserved to get scammed. There's actually some funny websites out there where people trick these scammers, including one who uh, tricked this one guy to fly all around Africa, supposedly meeting these rich people who are going to give him money, and of course it was a wild goose chase. Yeah, I guess this guy got scammed in a way. I mean, no one gained from it, but he wasted his money for nothing. But he deserved it. He was in the process of scamming someone else. But those are the only cases where you deserve to get scammed. If you're just not very bright, if you're just not very street smart, you don't deserve to have bad things happen to you. Basically, it's simple. If what you are getting is not laid out clearly and you're not really getting what is offered to you, you are being cheated or scammed in some way. Period. There should not be false testimonials. They shouldn't be offering one thing and delivering another. You should get whatever is offered to you at the time you you are told you will get it. Period. That's the end of my little rant there, but uh, I'm afraid I have to do this. Afraid I have to do this. Lou Father, who's a regular listener to this show, even has broadcasted his own shows with Beer and Poker on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. He kept taunting me that the Tigers are going to pound the Dodgers especially with uh, Kershaw out, with Puig out. He thought the Tigers were just going to run over the Dodgers. And, you know, Dan Heron against Scherzer. I mean, who, who do you think is the favorite there? Well, well, Dan Heron, who, by the way, I have in one of my fantasy teams, pitched six strong innings, allowing only three hits and one walk. Scherzer did well, too, but gave up two runs. The Dodgers are up 2-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> I know who bad guy is rooting for, even though bad guy is from Pittsburgh. He says, this fucker Jansen best not blow this 2-1 to one Dodgers bottom eighth. I, I really hope the Dodgers win. I've had, I've had this Detroit thing rubbed in my face by so many of the Michigan people on this site. It'd be so nice to see the Dodgers sweep this series. All right, ask me a few questions, and I've I got to shut this down. Jay Stad, all proud of the fact that the Giants uh, pounded the Dodgers on their opening day. L- let me tell you, I was there on that opening day, and while the first two innings were a disaster, the Dodgers actually had a chance to beat the Giants despite starting down 8 nothing. And that, That's pretty bad for uh, a team to start out 8 nothing and have chances to lose, but really, they it, it came fairly close. Even though the final was 8-4, to four, there were so many chances the Dodgers had to blow, blow it open and uh, tie it. And yeah, the Giants won the series 2-1, to one, but uh, you know how many times the Dodgers have won that opening series? 
Go back and take a look. The opening game, for that matter, every time you guys were losing to Kershaw, every time. Just, there wasn't a Kershaw this year. All right, ask a few questions in the chat, then we're going to shut this down. And uh, remember, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you want to buy any of the shares they talked about for the World Series. You can read about that again on the World Series of Poker section of pokerfraudalert.com. So ask me some questions in the chat or through text or whatever way you want to ask. You can even call or we're going to shut this thing down. I'm going to watch the final inning. Hopefully Jansen doesn't blow it for my sake and bad guy's sake. And Dan Heron's sake. Let's take a look at what the chat is saying here. Druff, are you ever going to fix the timestamp in chat? It's tilting. Yeah, the chat shows it's like four hours behind. But what's so weird is I'm having a hard time fixing it. I, I cannot figure out where that setting is for the time zone. It wasn't like this before. But like As soon as we got on the new server, the thing fell four hours behind, and I cannot figure out for the life of me how to fix it. And I tried to even dig into the source code of the chat, and boy, it was a mess. I mean, if I spent a lot of time on it, I, I could fix it, but it, it's not even Hawaii time. Darkstar is saying it's Hawaii time. It's not. Hawaii time uh, right now is only two hours behind us. Or sorry, three hours behind us. Not four hours behind There's nothing that's four hours behind us, as far as I know. It's just kind of like the Pacific Ocean. Salomar asking, am I still holding my Bitcoin? Yes, yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't do a very good job with Bitcoin trading. I mean, it hasn't cost me a lot here. I, I own 2.0-something Bitcoins, and I, I paid like a 1080 for them total. And, you know, they're worth like 460 each right now, so I, I guess I've lost about 100 bucks, something like that. Druff, what was the total return for an across-the-board investment into you in, for 2012 and 2013? Was it profitable for your across-the-board back, backers? Uh, definitely, because of the fifth place I got last year. That, uh, that one-fifth place was more than the combined value to buy into both years. But, but don't let that be the factor of what makes you buy it because, you know, that's just the way it was. I, I could have won it. I, I could have finished ninth. I could have not made the final table at all. There's a, a lot of ways it could have happened. I just happened to land on fifth there. So while that wasn't all luck, and I was explaining before how it's a good event for me, I it, there's still a lot of luck involved. So... I didn't do well in 2012, but yeah, over the last two years, anyone who bought 1% of everything that I offered would have made money. Lou Father all excited that uh, Miguel Cabrera has a bat in his hand. I really wish this was later in the year. I, I don't like these interleague games, like just beginning of the season. No, I Darkstar thinks I bought two Bitcoins at 1080. No, I didn't. I, I bought them... I bought 2.0-something Bitcoins, like, uh, I think 2.0, or 2.1 Bitcoins, something like that. I think I own 2.1 Bitcoins, and total it cost me 1,080, not 1,080 each. All right, so um, 
I guess that's it. I see Jaystad is bitter toward Brian Wilson. Why do Giants fans hate Brian Wilson so much? It's because he's not with them anymore. I don't get it. He brought some good times to your team. A lot better than the Giants deserved. Really, the Giants totally overachieved in, in 2010 and 2012. These were, this was not a dynasty team by any means. and The performance you saw out of the Giants in 2013 proved that because it was essentially the same team that won in 2012. And uh, you saw the difference. <laughs> Pretty large difference. Went from world champion to under 500. I think the Giants will be the second best team in the West this year. I think they'll be the Dodgers' biggest competition, but Dodgers are better, and Dodgers will win. So thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I'm going to try to catch the end of this game. Hopefully I'm not jinxing the Dodgers by rushing off to watch them. And... We will be back next week at our usual time, Tuesday, April 15th. Oh, no, what is that? Tuesday, April 15th, that is tax day. That is tax day. I'll tell you something else about that day. Tuesday, April 15th is the 25-year anniversary of the first time I ever did anything with a girl. It's the truth. I, I remember the day it happened. April 15th, 89. <laughs> so, it wasn't the first time I had sex, but it was the first time I did anything. But to me, nowadays, I just think of April 15th as two things. Tax Day and Black Friday. It's the three-year anniversary of Black Friday. So, three years later, we have some legalized poker. Will it come to California, and will poker stars be part of it? We will find that out in the future. Until then, I will speak to you next week. I, I don't have any $10 million credit clients to brag about, but I'll speak to you next week here on this show as I do every week. The Druff and Friends Show, starring Todd Dandruff, would tell us on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Congrats to I Am Greek, our free roll week winner. And shalom.